Hello and welcome to Box Office Bingers. I'm your host, Matt Diaz, along with my co-host, Ernesto Santos. How are you doing today? I'm great. Uh, back in our second episode for the new year, and we have a very special guest with us. Yes, uh, Adrian Whitset. How are you doing today? I'm good. Hello. Very special guest. Yes. We Local. are very excited to have him on the show. I, it, it's, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Not that we haven't harassed you about it. But yeah, kinda, a little bit. It's, but, but we're glad to have you. My <laughs> life is time-consuming at the moment with a child on the way. So That kind of would occupy your time yeah, just a little so. bit. That's Absolutely. just a little bit. Well, thank you, opportunity uh, Father, for taking the time to be no here today. No problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah. Yes. So uh, we're going to start off every episode like we have before with what you're watching. So, or Adrian, we're going to start with you. What has been on your watch list lately? Uh, like what I just watched or, or, less than an hour ago. <laughs> we could talk about that too, whatever you, you want. Start with that uh, I just finished Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, and I have other thoughts, and I think we'll get into that maybe a little bit later. We'll you can talk see. about it. Uh, it, it, was, it was worth it. Uh, that, those are the two words that I would, would go with. Uh, the first half of the movie I felt was pretty slow yeah. and didn't feel like it was a Tarantino movie. And then the second half of the movie, like there's a clear delineation. I was like, wow, now I'm watching a Tarantino flick. And the, the rest of the movie was awesome. Oh, uh, so I was really excited about it once once it got to that spot. Yeah. I was kind of bored and it is long. It's a long movie. So you can imagine going through the first hour and 20 minutes and being <laughs> like, ah, this is the length of a real movie. Oh, no, here it is. <laughs> kind of like here's you, where we go. Kind of like how you felt about Irishman, Matt. Oh, yeah. That, so uh, I've made many jokes about the Irishman. There's a, there's a running joke the saying it's a, it's a it's a full Irishman. It's, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's a long ass movie. It is. It is long. <laughs> because my, my thought about it, like the Irishman, it's it's basically two movies. The first two hours, which is boring, and the last hour and a half, which is worth your time. Right. So that sounds like what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, maybe. I would say that you definitely need, you wouldn't want to split it up. Oh, you wouldn't want to just watch the last hour and a half. You just have to remember that things are going to ramp up significantly once it reaches a certain point. So, uh, yeah, the story wouldn't quite make sense if you don't watch that first part where I think what you were saying about the Irishman is that, right. that I could almost just start, just chop off the first two hours and yeah. watch the latter half. And I, I would mean, still I, be okay. I think you'd be more entertained with the... With the yeah. The I think you'd still... I think you're still going to be entertained the when you go to watch once... Yeah, I okay. think you're still entertained. It's just... It felt like... You know, I have this expectation from watching Tarantino movies because I started with Pulp yeah. Fiction and then you go and you see what he'd written with True Romance and it's, I just have this weird expectation. Jackie Brown, everything yeah. just sort of starts and this started much differently. And, and I know that it's sort of his love letter to Hollywood and filmmaking and you definitely see that and feel that. But then again, there's, it's like a light switch goes off. It's like this feels like a Tarantino movie. So it was just interesting for do me. You, Where, do you think the, it deserved the Golden Globe one? For what, Brad, Brad Pitt, right? Well, Brad Pitt won for Best Support. Brad Pitt is awesome. Okay. Brad really? Pitt's awesome. Leo is really good. Um, Margot Robbie, for as much as she was sort of hyped up in it, and she is the, the third character, I didn't, it didn't really matter to me that she was in it. She plays such a peripheral role compared oh, okay. to what else is going on in this film. Um, but she was fine, just not on the same level that Brad Pitt. I mean, Brad Pitt takes that 
movie. He's awesome. Really? Yeah, he's oh, okay. really, really good See, in this I movie. I think that Leo would have taken the movie. Like, or not, so we have we both haven't seen the movie yet. Mm-hmm. So you're the only we're, you're the only guy right now. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I I would figure that I mean Leo has been nominated for best actor, right? And Brad Pitt was getting all the supporting it, actor noms. I if it were me, I would have flipped it. Oh, I would have flipped. I feel like the more important character in the movie is Brad Pitt. And I guess it's hard to sort of have him be the main when when he I mean, you know, the story, he's the sort of the um, the stunt double right. for Leo's character. And mm-hmm. so it's I, I think maybe the critics or the, the voters are like, well, it'd be weird to make him the main actor right. when it does the story follows leo's character but there's so much more happening with brad pitt's character that he felt to me like he was the main guy it, it's, mm. it's very interesting is the stunt double because brad pitt's much older than leo right no yeah. absolutely so yeah it no work. it's it, it, you just got to see it <laughs> okay yeah it's really it's worth your time definitely worth definitely time. worth your time the the way that i could describe the uh the brad pitt what I felt about it was watching. You watched Django Unchained, yeah, I watched and yeah. obviously Jamie Fox is the main character. I mean, he's Django. Right. But when Leo steps in toward the end of that movie, Leo sort of takes over. Like his character was so effusive and over the top that that part of the movie that he's in, he seemed like the star. And that's what I felt about Brad Pitt throughout this entire movie, even though it was a, a lot of focus on Leo. Okay. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So definitely, I, the way the way that you walked in here and you said I got things to say, once, once, <laughs> I, I, sw- I swore you were going to go in here like this movie was terrible. Yeah, no. I was expecting negative. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, it, it was different. So uh, yesterday I watched Parasite. Yep. I went to the theater. I watched Parasite, and to to watch both of those films are so vastly different. In it, it seemed like there was not a frame of of film that wasn't necessary in Parasite. It was very Mm. tight. And this was because it was Western based and sprawling in California and these crazy vistas. This one was just more spaced out. And so uh, I think that's also maybe why I thought the first part of the movie was so slow and not Tarantino-esque until it ramped up. Right. Mm. Because Parasite was, I mean, from the ground up, it was just sort of in your face. Yeah, and awesome as well. Yeah, go ahead. And tell <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Tell us what, what did you think about Parasite? So I, when I walked out of the movie theater, I had it was just really intense, but I wasn't really sure how to feel. And I've had this with a number of movies that are actually on uh, the Oscar sheet this year, where I'm not sure what the if I'm supposed to be feeling like there's an actual wrap up yeah. to the movie. Uh, and it, it felt like Boone was saying like, I'm going to give you like this little bit of hope in what they're doing with, am I doing spoilers here? Am I allowed to just oh, yeah, say, yeah, whatever? we can give yeah, a spoiler yeah, warning. Yeah. We can yeah. do spoiler yeah, we warning for Parasite. Yeah, I don't, yeah. don't want to do crazy, but I know you guys have already talked about it before. Yeah, did, yeah. So the end when the son is reading the letter that he's writing yeah. to his dad, there's a lot of hope there. And then all of a sudden you come back down and you're in the house again and the feeling is like the rug just got pulled out from under you. It's like that dude's never going to do what he says he's going to do. And so this happened with Little Women where I had this sort of duality. They show you one thing, but I'm not really sure if what I'm seeing is the reality 
for the script or just the reality for the filmmaker mm. kind of thing. And Parasite felt very much like that for me, where I could have just sort of taken it at face value that, right. that this was the end and they actually made it there, but then you actually see that, that yeah, closing it, shot. Hard because the closing shot is basically the beginning shot. Yep, right. We started in that, in that basement. Mm -hmm. uh, what, is that a basement? It's, yeah. They call it, it's like a half basement. Right. Yeah. It's like a South Korean thing, right. apparently. Yeah. It's like it's, a house. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Someone could live there. Well, I think yeah. it's a play on they, like how it is, how it is there. Yeah, I think it is, yeah, it is yeah, right, actually right. how it is there. That was the other takeaway I had with that movie was who was the parasite? I, I think it's funny you said that because when we did our review, like it's funny you use the word when you said it. I thought the parasite was hope. Mm. It's like you know you see mm. like every little step in there was like a hope, like them hoping for a better future instead of accepting their present that they were in. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. I, I guess for me, my my initial thought was it was the other family. The, the family that was in the... In in the other room. room. Yeah, yeah. The secret, the secret room. The secret yeah. Underground yeah, the secret room. Um, but then they're clearly, uh, throughout the movie, the, the family is parasitic. Right. But then also, the very... And the jarring scene when, when everything's going haywire yeah. in this garden party, I also am looking at the dad and the mom trying to save... <laughs> You know, the seizing child. Right. And they felt very much like the parasites as well, like leeching yep. off. Uh, so it was just, it was incredible. It was incredible. Incredible no, I, movie. I, for sure. <laughs> I, I don't watch a lot of foreign films, mm -hmm. but there was so much buzz about this one that like I had to go see it in the theater. And like I've said many times before, the only problem that I had with the movie was because I don't go and watch foreign films, my head... Was my my, my my head was going down for reading the subtitles and then facing back up to see the screen mm. and I and I've seen foreign films at home and I can do that with my eyes but with I have to physically move my head so like at the end of it I was getting like all right little, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like your head banging in the, in the middle of the theater yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah that, I wasn't prepared for that or wasn't expecting that but other than that the movie was fantastic right more so uh, even more so that um, Bong Joon Ho and Adam McKay are going to be working together to make an HBO Parasite series. Wow. Yeah. And so it, it's kind of funny because when in Golden Globes, Bong Joon-ho accepted the award for Best Foreign Film, and he said that once you get past the one-inch barrier, you will be entered into a world of possibilities of newer films. Absolutely. And with that being said, he is now working with an American writer and, and director to produce an English version of, I'm assuming, of his movie. So it's either going to be like you know a, a, a TV. It's going to be a TV series. So it's either he's going to serialize his already made foreign movie, or they're going to make a brand new, brand new content with the ideas of what Parasite was. I would hope it's the latter. Right. Yeah. Just Same. because Parasite was was great in and of itself, and I wouldn't want to see them detract from the work that's out there. Because I don't know where you go if you've already seen the two hour movie right, and yeah. then you're like, I'm going to make this and I'm going to put it out a year from now or whenever it's going to come out right, and be like, right. I have this fresh in my mind of what happened. So where's the, where's the intrigue right. and the no, suspense? I like I was equally excited, but then I'm like, yes, this is happening. I'm like, well, mm, all right, well, I, I still want this to happen, but I'm not sure what you're going to do with it. I really hope you don't 
screw it up. And then Bong Jong Ho, everything that he's made, I've never been disappointed. So if he's still attached to the project, I'm still I'm so happy with it. Yeah, have you seen Snowpiercer or Ocha? I haven't. So weirdly, I started Snowpiercer once, and I think I just fell asleep. And <laughs> yeah. for whatever reason, I just didn't go back. And I haven't seen, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it correctly, Ocha. Yeah, that was right. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see that. Uh, I know what it's about, sort of where it went. Uh, and what's the other one that I was thinking of? That I know he did. He did a um, a movie called, uh, I think it was called Monster, or uh, we we definitely talked about it. He yeah. did like a a, a, a big, it's, it's almost like his version of Godzilla or okay. King Kong. It was like this big monster terrorizing the city type deal, and it ended up being like a huge success over in South Korea. Okay, but yeah, it, I thought there was one that came out in the mid two thousands that was maybe one of his first that had some real critical acclaim here in the United States, but I don't remember what the title is right now. It's escaping me. I, oh, probably was it, I think it's called The Host. Does that, make, does that ring a bell? Uh, was that him? I think that was him. It could be him. Uh, let's see. That he directed? Yeah, he directed. Yeah, because he, he's done... The Host, Influent... Let's see. I think it's, it's The Host. The Host. That one, okay. That one had the Parasite, Okja, Snowpiercer, Mother... Mother. Mother. Tokyo. Okay. That wasn't mid-2000s, but that 2009. one was... 2009. Yeah, that yeah. one was... Uh, Apparently crazy. Mother was crazy. Yeah. Okay. Apparently. Again. Also again. Another, didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> but it seems like most of his movies, when you look at the the critics, everything sort of comes back. Everything's always in a circle. Mm-hmm. Right? So like what you were saying, where everything started in that sub basement or that half basement, right, and then it right. came back. Uh, yeah, it's just really well done. No, it was. It, it's. Um, we're going to talk about it later, but it is nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, as it should be. As it should as be. It should as be. it absolutely should be. I was trying to think. I don't know what else I've been watching. Um, most of the shows that I was watching are done. Like Watchmen yeah. uh, is gone for now. I'm really excited about some things that will be coming back later this year, like the new season of Westworld. Yes. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm pretty um, geeked out about that. Okay. Ernesto? Um. Well, we also watched Don't Fuck With Cats. Oh, Cats see, and I forgot about that. It's amazing how things just <laughs> slip through your minds. We'll save that one for last. Okay, we'll yeah, save that We'll save that wow. one for last. Yeah. But I watched The Art of Self-Defense. Oh, okay. Jesse Eisenberg. Eisenberg, film. yes. Um, you were right. It's a it's an interesting, weird film. It's do you, do we want to talk? Have you seen it? I haven't, but I probably won't. Okay. Uh, yeah, so go for it. We're about to spoil Art of Self-Defense. Ernesto, go ahead. Oh yeah, so Jesse Eisenberg, um, he's like this, like this, uh, he's like this accountant at this business, and he's like a, how do I best describe him? He's like like one of those people that just walk around with no confidence, just walks with his head down, and he gets brutally attacked. Um, he gets sent to the hospital, and then he signs up for this karate gym. Uh, long story short, the karate gym were the ones who attacked him because <laughs> <laughs> that was their recruiting process to wow. get people to join their gym. And then he got introduced into like what they call the night class. Mm-hmm. And this one guy, <laughs> just crazy part of the scene, this guy, the one guy tries to sneak in because you have to be invited to the night class. Okay. This is for like the serious karate it's people. It's like ninjas. Yeah, for, yeah pretty, pretty much. much. Like he comes in, yeah. he's like... He, he's like, oh, blue belt, can you come here? I want. This is the guy who didn't have a black stripe. He comes yeah. up to him. He's like, I want to show show me that arm move. He sticks his arm out and he fucking breaks his arm. <laughs> <laughs> he 
He's like, don't come back to my gym. There's like this day class where it's like, this is for beginners. And like, the artist said, you have to be invited. And so he's like, enough with this. I've been here for longer. I don't know why you got invited. Yeah. I'm just going to show up. And, well. <laughs> and that's what happened. Right. So wow. then, it, then you see Jesse Eisenberg. Like, it's funny because... Like, karate, like, once you start doing, once you start learning self-defense, like, you do become a little bit more self-confident. Sure. And so, you do it with your kids. Yeah, yeah, I do it with my kids. So, like, I, I just thought it was funny to see that get turned up to the extreme. Because then he's walking around at work. His boss is coming up. He's listening. The the um, the karate instructor told him, he's like, you need to listen to better music to help you train. He's like, you only listen to metal now. <laughs> so, He's listening to metal at his desk. He's like watching porn. <laughs> and the guy comes up. He's like, I really need you to finish this report. And he fucking jabs him in the throat. <laughs> and then he goes into the break room. And there's always these assholes who are like bothering him. And he goes to them. And he just interrupts their conversation. And he just, what does he do? He like punches a guy in the face or something like that. I, I don't remember. Wow. I think he, he just punches him yeah, in the he, face. And he gets him out of this chair. And he just sits down. And he's like, we should do push-ups. <laughs> It's very quirky Jesse Eisenberg. Okay, yeah, which sure. that sounds about yeah, right. That sounds like yeah. more of a style. And not, that's not even giving away the whole movie. No, no. it's not. You, well, now I kind of want to see it. Yeah. It's funny. It's pretty yeah. funny. It's it, offbeat. It's on Hulu? It's, it is on Hulu. Okay. Yeah, I just got there. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was going to be something more like the foot fist way. I don't know if you ever saw that mm-hmm. Danny McBride movie. Uh, we can talk about that later. It's <laughs> Yeah, because it's, I love it. It's from a while ago. <laughs> and it, it's one of the dark, like one of the darkest funny movies that he made. I mean, it was well before he was making Pineapple Express oh, okay. and all that other oh, okay. stuff. It was still in that same vein. Uh, I know, I'm pretty sure it was Will Ferrell's uh, production company that was part of it, but I don't remember. It may have been McKay. I don't know who actually directed it, but it is crazy. Oh, okay. Taekwondo instructor in Jersey. (laughs) Like in a strip mall in Jersey. Oh, I want to watch that. (laughs) And it's been years since I watched it, but it was awesome. So that's what I thought maybe Art of Self-Defense was, but that's Uh, something similar. Yeah. And then I also watched, well, in connect, kind of in connection with Don't Fuck With Cats, I watched American Psycho. Okay. On Netflix. Um, we'll Had talk- you seen it before? Um, it's been a really long time. Okay. It was it was good. It, the ending is kind of this ending is a it's a weird ass ending to it. The movie. whole thing is weird. The whole it's a, have you seen it? I haven't, but it's okay. You can spoil it. Well, we'll we'll I'll save that. Well, when we talk with Don't Fuck with Cats, we can talk about it yeah, a little okay. bit. It's kind of relevant, but yeah, not really. It, it is relevant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I watched. Thanks to you, Matt. You let me borrow the farewell. Yes. Um, mm. I can see why I won, but well, it was good. The, the the farewell was nominated for best foreign picture. It did not win because Parasite. No, I was saying I'm sorry for for Aquafina Aqu- winning. Oh yes, for Aquafina in the Golden Globe. Yes, yeah, she won for best actress in a comedy musical. I wish I kind of wish Anna de Armas would have won for Knives Out, but yeah, I right. under but I understand why she won for the farewell for the right. farewell. I enjoyed Knives Out better, but I understand the importance of the story that they were trying to tell in the farewell. Right. Uh, yeah, so uh, that makes I, sense. I, I, you, or, uh, I have not seen the farewell. Do, do you want to see it? Uh, I know exactly what it's about. I don't know if I need to see it the, again. This is how I filter through all movies. movies. Yeah, I'm like, I kind of yeah. felt like it, I kind of felt like it would have been a, a better documentary. Okay, I see. I see how you, I see how I can. You see what I mean? I what is it mean, a doc? Yeah. Like, is it a true story? It, it, it is, is a based true story. on a true story. It is based. Actually, the tagline is based on a true life. Based on an actual okay. lie. Based yeah. on an actual lie. That's right. Interesting. So uh, Aquafina was was is is of Asian descent. Where, where did they go? Where, they where? went to China. China. Right? They mm-hmm. went to China, and the movie's like half and half. It's half English and in half Mandarin. Right. Okay. And so Aquafina was. I think she was born in China. 
And then at the yes. very young age, yes. they moved to New York, and her family is now living in New York. They find out that her grandmother, who she talks regularly, is about is pass is about to pass away. Mm-hmm. And so now the whole family, or she's is, been she's been diagnosed she's with been diagnosed with, with like stage four lung cancer, cancer I believe. Okay. Right. And so the big thing is that the whole family is going over there for a pretend wedding. So they can get the family together, but in actuality, it's just all them getting together to spend more time with the grandmother for the last time because they don't want to tell her that she has stage four cancer. So wow. basically, this this movie is about Aquafina dealing with the fact that she can't tell her grandmother that she's going to die, and the burden that is held not only with her but for the rest of the family that they now need to hold this secret. And I thought the the movie h- hinted on a pretty important point there. Is that that we and we're not telling the grandmother because we are holding we're doing all the suffering for her. We carry the burden of the suffering. The uncle, not to give anything away, but the uncle made a really interesting point. They it was the three of them. It was the uncle, the dad, and Aquafina, and he was like, right. "This is." He kind of broke down, kind of gave his version of the the ideology between the East and the West side of the world. Like, you know, the West focus on the individual on the East, we focus on the family. So it's up to us to carry the burden of, of her sickness with her. Right. And so like for me, we were all introduced with as, as Americans, like the American way, once you, you know, you tell somebody so they can do what they need to do and make the proper arrangements to say their final goodbyes. That's how our, our customs are. And then to watch this movie, to see how, and a very brilliant way to show us, how other customs do it and you get it you understand that this is you know it, it makes a lot of sense to not yeah. want to tell them to carry that burden for them so when they pass away they die hopefully happy yeah uh and you did all the work for them so they're not suffering any longer and even i believe uh, aquafina was talking to her mother or her father like didn't you want to tell your mother before she passed away I'm like no we, we held on to that one too yeah and she was saying like she she knows because she did it for her husband and right. the same as well sure um interesting it was good yeah. it, it, it was good, good. it was good, good but um aquafina was most definitely the best she was the best yeah, thing about that movie okay. stand out. There, was, there was a point where uh they were at the hospital and the, a doctor showed up, a very a young doctor and the, and the grandmother was like hey are you are you married I got, I got this, I got my granddaughter here and, uh, she's single. And then, and so like there, she was trying to make small talk and then she's like, Oh, you studied in, in, in America to be a doctor. And then in English, Aquafina goes, do you speak English? She goes, yes. I'm like, all right, you can cut the bullshit now. What, what's, what's going on my grandmother? Right. And they spoke in English because obviously she can't, grandma couldn't understand. Couldn't understand. Yeah. Okay. So they, they like, uh, uh, so they kind of play with the language barrier back and forth. Mm-hmm. So, and, but the most of the movie was, you know, it was, it was classified as a foreign film. I yeah. think it's still true to that. Was it because the, they didn't reach the 50% threshold or something like that? It, there's, there's something about awards uh, or award season where you have to, it's like 50 or 51% of the speaking dialogue has to be in English for it oh, to be okay. considered oh, really? for it was. So I don't know it if that's the be. way yeah. for everything. I mean, clearly you've got Parasite and I think Roma, Roma uh, last year. And so mm-hmm. maybe they've changed some of the rules, but I think that's the way it used to be. Yeah. I think Roma, there was no English. There was there. none. Yeah, no. I didn't think so. There was yeah. none. Um, but yeah, I think it's a well-deserved movie. Uh, 
but Aquafina was. was. Yeah, she was definitely. She was. Okay. She was most definitely the standout in that okay. film. Okay, for sure. And then uh, me and my wife were actually right before we came over here. Uh, we finished You season one. Oh, I had never seen. I had never seen him. Matt's been talking about it the past couple of weeks. <laughs> He's yeah. like, you should watch. You and your wife should watch yeah, this you, show. You, you and your wife specifically should. But watch you know what? It is. Re- I was pleasantly surprised. Right. Yeah. Have you seen it? I've watched one episode. Okay, that's a good start. <laughs> and I've actually watched that episode. I've watched the first half of that episode twice because we watched the first part and we sort of were like, eh. And then we we're like, okay, season two's out. Everybody's talking about it, like losing their mind, all this stuff. So we we're like, all right, let's go back. So we watched the first episode and I'm intrigued enough to maybe watch the second one. Okay. But then life has been kind of crazy. Yeah. Right, right. And there were movies that I wanted to watch. And so it's it's one of those shows where I feel like I might be able to get into it, but there hasn't been enough just yet to make me want to continue, you know, to just watch repeatedly. Right. I, I yeah. would say I think you would enjoy it. Yeah. I think it's enjoyable. I think it's it's it 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 kind of rides a fine line the whole way through. Okay. And you don't know which angle you want to go on if you're kind of rooting for not rooting for anybody, but like what what this person is doing. Is this good? bad is he sick is he a psychopath yes no but is it justified maybe i don't know uh and uh, it makes you question you do, sure it does make you do. You question. And i will say part of the reason that that show is is sort of difficult for me to watch just in in terms of trying to make it through to the next episode is i listen to so many true crime podcasts mm-hmm. where people actually do some of the stuff right. that you're seeing and so hearing about it in real life and then seeing what I would only say is at least, again, based on the first episode, a an attempt to yeah. sort of get right. there, um, yeah. that's, I think, the struggle. Okay. Because, again, you find a Don't Mess With Cats yes. sort like of thing. Real. It's like, like why don't real. I just watch that? Yeah, that's a fair, that's that's a fair, fair point. Instead fair of point. watching this. Like, this actually happened instead of somebody writing for Absolutely. Yeah. It's Absolutely. definitely like a dramatized, like a super over-dramatized. But it's... Right. It's and I feel like it's geared toward women. It is. Like, it's, oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah, absolutely sure. 100%. geared, oh, yeah. like, we're going down that alley. Oh, yeah. 100%. Kind of thing. Sure. So, yeah. But... Something about it that has me intrigued. Yeah, I the whole it's second it's written well. Um, yeah, it's like I said, it's intriguing. It just it, it hasn't got me. Hooked. Hasn't hooked you yet. Yeah, it took me yet. a while. It wasn't it, it wasn't until now when somebody mentioned like, oh, season two is like much better, and I was okay. like, well, you, you know, it's all right, that which I, is hard to do. Yeah, I I like season two, but I felt like as season one as a whole was w- well more constructed. Season two, there were parts like about. I think there's 10 episodes about episode four or five. I'm like, all right, are we still on the same? Are we still doing the same thing as season one? Because right. if not, I'm not on board for that. And then they, they, they changed the game. I'm like, okay, nice. And then they change it again. And then they change it again. Oh, so I'm like, all right. So okay. like, they, they keep, they keep like with something that I figured they would just ride on for the end of the season. They like put a huge hold on that and they gave you a little twist and then they just, all right, this is what we're doing now. Is it, did you watch Dexter? Yeah, I did. I, I did. I did not. So th- I feel like that's what they were trying to do. Again, based on very one episode, sim- very that similar. it was going to be something like that. And there was something about Dex, maybe because I just watched all of Dexter and I enjoyed the right. Dex, that like seeing it, and it just wasn't quite there. It's like, I've already sort of seen this. 
And there wasn't similar. another character. Like Dexter had all these extra characters that mm-hmm. really brought that story to life. And I don't really care about the the main woman in you. I don't I don't know who this guy is. You know what I mean? There's nothing really grabbing me here. Yeah. So I no, I totally I hundred yeah. percent agree with you. It it wasn't until he talked me into okay. watching it. Well now I'm gonna talk my wife into watching it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's it one of the, I explained it last week. But it was like I didn't care to watch it either. Mm-hmm. And I was doing errands around like doing little chores around the house. And so uh, Megan started it. She's watching it. And then I'm hearing the dialogue in the background. I'm like, what is he saying? What's going on over there? I'm like, all right. Well, then, like, I stopped what I was doing. I keep peeking over. She's like, you want to watch it? Like, no, 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 no. Go ahead. Continue. Go ahead. I'll, 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 I'll watch it later or whatever. I won't, I don't, I'm not interested. And then uh, eventually, like, I make away to the couch. And then, like, you're kind of on your phone, like, not paying mm-hmm. attention. And then eventually you just put the phone down. I'm like, all right, all right, I'm intrigued now. I'm in. And then now you're sucked in for, like, 10 episodes but later. it's not fully like Dexter, but it is that same style where you're in his head. Okay. Which I'm, it's intriguing. Which I'm fine with. Yeah. yeah. As long as the story is well done. So, yeah, I will, correct. I, at some point I will get through the first season. <laughs> and maybe, that's the other thing. There's no rush. I've watched, <laughs> as I've gotten older and older, I've eschewed out shows i used to be that person where if i start a show i'm gonna at least finish a season right and most of the time i'll finish a show like the entire run of the series even when it gets terrible (laughs) i I 100 percent agree with that but now now i think there's just more out there and there's really good stuff through all the different services that it's very easy for me to be like yeah i don't like this and I'm just going to go find something else Correct. to watch instead. Was it just the drive just to finish this thing that you've already invested time in to actually go? Like, if you already didn't like it. But now you're, <laughs> it's almost like, you know, I'm just pushing myself just to go just because it's something to put on the TV and I've already invested these characters. Yeah, so so case in point, I watched the entire run of 24 okay. while it was on TV. I mean, this is – DVRs were sort of the new technology when yeah. 24 was beginning. Right. So it was – you must be there almost to watch this on your television. You know what I mean? Like you're not just able to pull it up and start binge watching things. Yeah. So every Monday I'm watching 24 at eight o'clock at night. Right. And I get through the first four seasons. It's the first season blew my mind. Uh, and I actually watched that in 18 hours. My friend's dad had recorded all 24 episodes oh on God. FX. They were leading into the <laughs> second season, records it on VHS, sends it to us. And we spent 18 hours watching the entire first season of 24. So I'm hooked in from there. I was like, this is amazing. So then we started watching the rest of it. So in the fifth season, some craziness goes down at the very, very beginning. If you remember the show at all. I don't think I I watched it. Um, So in the the whole thing, you know, it's counterterrorism unit and Jack Bauer and he saves the world. He never goes to the bathroom. You never see him drink water. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. I always just wish that they would just show once and like he gets a phone call and he's on the shitter. And he's like, just uh, three minutes. I'll be done. Yeah, I'm okay. Um, So in the at the beginning of the fifth season, somebody gets assassinated. Oh. And like it's 10 minutes into the the beginning of the season and from there 24 got bad. Oh, and right after, right after that. It was like or maybe it was just bad for me. Okay. I don't know, but I think it went 8. 
Wow. Three and one oh, eight. Wow, and I cool. continued because right. at that point, I'm all in. Right. Right. You're already invested five, five years, five seasons. Right. Yeah. yeah. But now, if I was doing that now, because I did it with Arrow, I did it with The Flash. I watched three, four seasons, I think, of, of Arrow and a couple of Flash, yeah. and I have never gone back. And I loved that show. I thought right. it was great. Same. Yeah. But yeah. it got to a point where I was like, eh. Right. This right. just isn't doing it for me anymore, and I don't care enough to keep going. And so that's sort of the difference in the way that I watch TV at this point. I kind of jumped off around the same time for Arrow and Flash. It was like season four, season five of Arrow. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't get past season two of Flash. I think Arrow was after they kicked him off. He was going after Raish and like yes. he gets kicked off the mountain. And right. I don't know if I ever saw another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Guess he's dead. Like, no, but I knew he was back. Yeah. I'm just like, eh, whatever. whatever. <laughs> I've seen this before. I, uh, I'm pretty convinced you can't survive that. <laughs> it's funny you say that. The only one that I'm still, I'm only watching is Flash. Flash, really? okay. and like background watching Legends. Okay, <laughs> like, and so I, I never started that or Black Lightning. I just didn't. <laughs> Black Lightning, Black Lightning, yeah. I didn't watch. Well, I feel like with, with those shows specifically, and then it can just be like overwhelming. Like because like Crisis on Infinite Earth sounds amazing, right? But like, do I really need to sit through? Okay, all seven seasons of Arrow, all five seasons of Flash, all three seasons of Supergirl, and two or three seasons of Black Lightning, and then you just introduce Batwoman, which season one, and then there's DC Legends of Tomorrow. That's seven shows right, right there. Yeah, and what, Supergirl, and they brought in Brandon Routh? Yep. Right, in, yeah. And it's just like, what? and I get what they're doing, that's <laughs> right, great. Yeah. Make that a movie. Right, Yes. Like, right. Let's make Crisis one, two and a half hour movie. I'll watch it. I'll yeah. Watch I will watch it. Yeah. You could even make it, a, remember when TV movies used to be a thing? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's so many channels. I mean, at this point, they could just throw that on CW or ABC's Freeform or whatever you want to do, and just and just go for it. Right? Why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so for me, that's all I've been watching. What about you, Matt? Okay, uh, I also saw the farewell, so we already talked about that. Um, I also watched <laughs> going from this gritty you to uh, Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's so much there. I know. There's so much. <laughs> Um, I saw the One Day at Disney uh, documentary, mm. uh, and it was pretty good. Basically, uh, I, I think I expect a little bit more from it because the whole documentary felt like what the series has the series turned into, which they have One Day at Disney One Day at Disney shorts that is weekly, and they just focus on one worker, and they have like a five to ten minute uh, expose on this person and what they do. Where the whole documentary, the whole hour of the documentary, was just focusing on six different people. Mm. And they have Sterling K. Brown narrating it, which I did not know was the thing. I'm like, why are you here? Why not? <laughs> why, why not? Why not? Capitalize. Yeah, Sterling K. Brown. He <laughs> was, was in Frozen 2, so I guess, hey, hey, you're still in the recording group? Yeah. We need you to read these yeah. right here. <laughs> and, and so, like, it just, Sterling K. Brown, like, Disney is a fantastic place to work. Here's this guy. And then you have a five to ten minute expose about this guy. Mm. And then he's like, and now I'm back talking. Here's a transition word. Now let's hear from this guy. <laughs> and, and then that's what it did. That's what it did for an hour. Oh. And I'm like, well, why do a documentary and just stick with the shorts at this point? This is just marketed as here's a whole bunch of shorts instead of like making six shorts into one hour, one hour documentary. Do you think they maybe thought they could capitalize more? on if they had these short 
basically vignettes right. within that hour that they could keep people for an hour. I don't know what metrics they're trying Maybe. to go over on yeah. Disney Plus or if they even care. Right. But I know for me, if I just would watch, you know, the seven minute thing mm-hmm. uh, about one person, there's a chance that right after it's done, unless it's on autoplay, that right. that's not what I'm watching again. <laughs> yeah. Where if right. I'm already right. watching, and I know that it's yeah. going to take 45 minutes to an hour and I know I'm going to see a couple different things because right. I don't know if I would watch a whole hour of one person's life at Disney. Well, I wasn't expecting Unless that. they're going to like walk up through Spaceship Earth and they're going to show me everything that is happening there. They're showing me some cool shit. Right. <laughs> I, I, don't think, I wasn't expecting an hour worth of one person. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, maybe I wasn't expecting on really focused five to ten minutes of this one person. I thought we were getting like an overview of everything. Are you seeing like the one person who... Uh, you know, I, when you walk around Epcot or something, you see, they have a lot of folks who come in from that specific country Mm -hmm. that are in there. So like, if you're in Germany, like, (laughs) did you meet Jennifer from who grew up in Germany and like, she's showing you what it, what it's like right there or is, or, or who, who are the employees? so, So the employees that I've been introduced to so far was like an animator. Okay. So, so he, he worked, they, they, like I've worked, I drew the, I drew a genie, I drew um, in he, how he got started with Disney and how he was excited to draw Mickey Mouse for the first time. Disney's legendary, blah, blah, blah. And then we moved into, man, I really wish I remember her name, but she was, she's one of the hosts of Good Morning America. So they, they tossed it over to her and she's like, I struggled with cancer and Disney. Helped Robin me. Roberts. Was it Robin? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, Robert, yeah. yeah. Uh, she struggled with cancer, ABC, you know, it's really great to work for a company that can, uh, allow me to go through this and have the job security and then also here's what I do here's a process I wake up at 2:30 in the morning we all we all know how that works yeah <laughs> correct do. and yeah. <laughs> um and like her day starts uh, very early and we have to read through scripts and all this stuff mm-hmm. and you know I we 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 uh, talk to uh, we we have good news and bad news and all that all that stuff and then we move on to um Bob Chapek who is the president of, of Disney? And so we dipped into his life only briefly. He was he more just more sat down interview than I got told sure. he does. Um, and then we moved into the theme parks. So we we met a, a, a train conductor at at uh, uh, Disneyland and how his for his love of trains he was able to take that into a good place of work. Then we they also took us to their animal conservative program. And uh, how we take care of rhinos and all that stuff. So it was a broad, they're all over the place. It was all over the place. Okay. Yeah, so it was broad enough to pique an interest, but I just felt like that those easily could have just been shorts. But like maybe like. But then you pick and choose. Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe you don't want to sit. There yeah. And... If you're only interested in the person who's drawing cells or is doing the animal program at say Animal Kingdom, and right. you don't care so much about the news anchor on Good Morning America, then you would just skip it. Skip it, yeah. Right. And I think maybe maybe for them it was more like, here's an introduction of what this series, that's what it felt like, here's an introduction of what the series is going to be for the rest of 2020, because they're coming out with one every week okay. for the rest of the year. Or they were like, look at how powerful we are. <laughs> we, we are everywhere. Yeah. And this is only the beginning. <laughs> we do everything. <laughs> <laughs> they, they also talked with a, a, I missed two of them, a sculptor at Pixar. Okay. And I think that's where we started. That's pretty cool. And uh, and then we also went through a designer um, that works on costumes for Marvel. Awesome. Uh, so the, the only the only one that didn't hit was Star Wars, which I was surprised sure. with. 
because you own all that's your... coming yeah that'll be a full documentary <laughs> that's next week yeah um and so then, and then i also saw um unbelievable i saw the whole i, I guess not the first season it's a limited series limited so, series so i saw the whole series and um, you just watched that i just watched it just finished it yesterday wow uh, well, what, what did was, you think? Yeah, what did you think about it? So, I, I the second to last episode, um, uh, I'm going to, spoilers for Unbelievable. Um, so, the second, so there's eight episodes. Episode seven, they, they, they captured the guy. Mm-hmm. That this whole series we've been going into, we are trying to find this serial rapist. And um, they finally got him. And for some reason... And based, maybe it was just expectations or the trailers that I was presented, I was expecting the other shoe to drop because it felt easy that they caught him. And I was expecting, here's this twist. This is what's going to happen. You know, I had my theories. I'm like, oh, no, it's not him. They just caught him too easy. It's this other guy over here. And then the episode ended, and I I realized the tone that we were going for. And then I also realized, right before I started the the, the last episode, I realized that this show is not about twists and turns. It's about the journey of this process. And I'm very happy I realized that right before <laughs> I finished it, or else I would not have been happy with the ending. Oh, okay. Um, but I was satisfied with the whole series as a whole when I understood that we're not trying to catch you on twists and and like uh, big reveals. It's just like, this is what happened. Here's the process of a confused girl who's been basically shit on her whole life and people don't trust her mm-hmm. or understand her and then then that was the whole first episode and then like episodes two through i guess the rest of the series uh we're getting like little clips into her life three years um in the past while three years later uh we have investigators pursuing this because these events happen over and over and over again and so i, I just feel like we were just going through I, I, I learned that we were going through this journey and the stuff that they were doing and the script was very well done. So the Unbelievable is a Pulitzer Prize winning news report. It is a real story. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think you nailed it there. I mean, the, the whole point is not that there was a twist and turn. The unbelievable part is how crazy it was and how long... It took for somebody to finally be like, what is happening and how can we put this all together? Mm -hmm. And it makes you angry. So like this happens. Um, But yeah, it's weird because I never felt that way. I never felt like there was going to be another shoe to drop. I felt that the entire thing was just going to be building up. I didn't know if they would catch him. I didn't know if that was going to be a thing. I thought there was a, a possibility that they didn't right and it was still sort of up in the air and that was going to be part of the unbelievable thing too like right. there's somebody who's just out there I think yeah. that's what kind I was of expecting. thing what was the unbelievable what's the title what's right the, what's unbelievable i think it's just that she wasn't believed right uh, partly because she got railroaded and then tried to you know change her story back to what it was originally and they didn't want to believe her until they had more evidence and all right. this other stuff and then looking at some of the detectives, and you're like, you're unbelievable. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Right. So it was, yeah, it was, the script was well done. It was shot really well. I agree. Wait, no, yeah, I was saying, I just, I agree the same. I thought it was yeah. great. I, I think for me, like, what really caught the un- unbelievable moment. And I feel like at that moment, it was like the last episode, and I got it. They were the, the when they caught the sewer rapist, and they, he said, I'm willing to do an interview with the FBI agent 
and he sat down and he said, uh, you know what I'm about to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. He said that he did like a casual raping for the first time three years ago. And he said, wow, I got away with it. I can just do this again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, at that point, I was like, wow. Like he just went ahead and said that. I'm not sure if that was real or just for the show, but at least for this show, I like, would hope that there's some that it would be some of it. At least you would think there's some truth. Some Correct. Truth yeah. Some of truth. And and for me, that was the part where I'm like, wow, that's unbelievable. That because you didn't listen to her, he went out and raped several other women, mm-hmm. and he was, and because he felt like he can get away with it, and therefore it went on this wild goose chase to try to find him. Luckily, this the story had a somewhat happy ending that, you know, they, they caught him at mm-hmm. the very least. I wouldn't say that this is a happy ending. The but. thing that's that's weird to me, like I mentioned before, <laughs> I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts um, in my off time and, <laughs> and watch lots of documentary. My wife would rather watch a real documentary than almost any movie, you know, scripted, right. whatever. And so uh, we, we sort of split our time with those things. Uh, I... I worry sometimes in just when I'm listening to these things like the Golden State Killer, um, the Michelle McNamara book. Uh, this was a guy who ran rampant over California for like 40 years, and they always suspected that he was in law enforcement because he was evading them. They just caught him two years ago. It's a crazy, crazy story. And this guy raped and murdered people all up and down Wow! through California. Um, you've got, uh, there's a guy, I think in Ohio who was op- they think he was operating in the, like the mid eighties to early nineties. They also thought maybe he was in law enforcement because the first seven people they believe these first seven women were all prostitutes that were being called on CB radios at truck stops, but all their bodies were found in different counties. So no one was talking. What? So very similar to the unbelievable thing. Right. And my concern right now, partly because of the job that I do in news, uh, where we are obviously dealing with just crazy facts of things. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then on top of it, you've got true true crime stories. Now you've got dramatized true crime stories. Right. And there are, I'm not the only one watching these things. There are people out there who maybe had that first casual thing happening. And right. now they're seeing all these extra ways to try and get away with stuff that's frightening yes. and crazy. And uh, it's everywhere. So, you, uh, not to derail, but you mentioned... Uh, since you mentioned it, podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we use our time. We watch movies and TV shows. Those are forms of somewhat entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I can more or less maybe say, say the argument with podcasts. That's a form of using your time to listen to other people's stories and sure. other ideas that this is what this is right now. Yeah, hey, you're listening yeah. to one no, right now. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Why choose a podcast for your form, a, a true crime podcast mm-hmm. specifically? as your form of quote-unquote entertainment? I, I think part of it is um, not being always able to divorce myself from news in a way. Okay. Uh, you know, when we do stories at work, it's it, most of the time it's very quick. Uh, you know, you may be able to tell the entire story over a course of uh, a court case. Right. Right. Um, but these stories, like one of the ones I listened to recently was called Bardstown and it was just a five part it ran about two and a half I think or three hours and it's about this crazy it's about this town in Kentucky where a police officer basically got assassinated 
they found stuff in the road, and then when they found him, he had been murdered. Someone shot him, and they found different rounds, and somebody probably shot him with a rifle from the bushes. I mean, he was crazy. Like, he got ambushed. And the speculation was that he was being, uh, that maybe he was investigating something or got too close to something, you know? Well, then there was another set. All, this all happened in like three years in this really small town in, in Kentucky. The police officer and then a teacher and her daughter are killed. And they have like a weird connection to somebody that they knew or that this police officer knew. And then that teacher's dad gets killed oh. Uh, oh, in shit. a hunting accident. Like it's it's crazy. And so... I know I didn't cover that story because it's not in Kentucky, right. but I can imagine covering that story or covering some of the stuff we do here in this area and not being able to get everything because there's just a lot of information. Right. And so then going back and hearing how these investigative reporters take all that information past just the headlines of the minute clip here, or two minutes over here and synthesize it into a story. It's for me, I can just put it on in the car. I can put headphones on. And it's like watching a documentary, which mm. is the other thing I do in my free time. It's just auditory instead of visual. Mm. Okay. So, so okay. Yeah, okay. it's just the story. Right. It's right. just, just the story. The story. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I don't. I. I'm trying to think. There were a couple times where I've listened to podcasts um, like this, or or some of the other ones where they're just sort of for fun. Right. Uh, you know, every once in a while, I'll listen to Dax uh, Armchair. Oh yeah, Armchair Expert. Yeah. Um, I but like him. but that's few and far between because I'd rather use my time for true to do yeah. these other ones and, right. and hear these other just so kind of crazy like, stories basically just like watching a documentary absolutely but maybe that content is not being showcased as a documentary so therefore you can listen to it as a pocket another way yeah to the story absolutely right yeah do you feel like it helps you at work like write like write better stories or just put better stories together uh, i'm not sure we've mentioned this before but uh, adrian he is uh, as an anchor as a local news, news station, station here, here in orlando florida yeah so uh so yeah this is why we're asking him questions about <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we mentioned that yeah before. yeah so it's um I don't know if it necessarily helps me just in the day to day. I think it helps me remember sometimes that there may be more to a story than what mm-hmm. is just out there. Um, a lot of the true pro- true crime podcasts, uh, maybe too many of them, in my opinion, are focused on, or what you'll hear, you know, three episodes in is how law enforcement slipped up mm-hmm. or they weren't able to do, you know, someone's missing and they find out a year later that they're actually murdered and they're like, oh, well, if you would have looked for them at this point and blah, blah, blah. And uh, a lot of the, you know, the the families sometimes put the blame then on law enforcement in a lot of these podcasts. Mm. Uh, and we get a lot of information from not only victims of crimes, but also law enforcement and the court records. And so try, thinking about the fact that there may be three different versions that all need to get synthesized because this is someone's perspective. This is, you know, a, a narrative from somebody and this was an official court record and trying to weave that all together again, sometimes in the matter of 15 or 20 seconds in a story. So it just, I think it does help me in that way. It doesn't necessarily help me write anything yeah. differently. It's just picturing in my head how all that goes together. Oh, okay. yeah. Interesting. I guess that'll lead us right into yeah. Don't fuck with cats. Don't, don't fuck with cats. So don't fuck with cats is a, <laughs> is a documentary. It's an intense roller coaster of emotion. There you go. Correct. I, I <laughs> uh, uh, we're going to be 
be spoiling the the documentary. Uh, it's on Netflix for anybody who want to watch. It's a Netflix original. Yeah. Uh, it's a three part documentary series. It's an hour long. A three hours. It's less than The Irishman. Uh, it's not, it's not, <laughs> not quite an Irishman. Not quite right. An Irishman. Not a fall. <laughs> not a fall. Irishman. <laughs> it's like an Irishman. <laughs> We're not at the end yet. I can tell you thought about that I one. Did. <laughs> I, was, I was setting it up for myself. <laughs> Uh, but yes, don't fuck with cats. It's a very emotional roller coaster that we all had the pleasure of seeing. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a pleasure. pleasure to, to watch <laughs> that, it. Yeah. That, that's an uh, interesting word to use. Uh, Adrian, we'll start with you. What did you feel about this, this show? We started it. Uh, my wife is nine months pregnant. And we started watching, and we're in full spoiler mode at this point, yeah. right? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we start watching, and you see the woman from Vegas, and she starts talking. She's the catalyst to, to bring everything out. And then all of a sudden, she's like, so I see this video. And then they pull up the title of the video, and it's like, one boy, two kittens, and they start showing it. And Emily is like, we're not watching this. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I said, I agree. I don't need to watch cats get murdered. Right. I, I just don't need to watch this. Right. And so we stopped. And it was a few days later. We were out with some friends doing brunch. And people, a couple of people had seen it all the way through. They had made it through. And at, they, knowing what we normally watch, like, oh, my God, did you watch this? Yeah, and we're like, right, no, right. we stopped. Right. And they're like, no, keep going. It's like, well, we don't want to watch. <laughs> no, we're good. Two yeah, kittens yeah. die. Like, yeah. the, it's just not a thing that we need to watch. And they were like, oh, but what, like they never show it. You yeah. never actually show it. I was right. like, oh, well, that changes things a little bit. Little, like, right, little. I know what's happening. We watch enough of these things that we're sort of desensitized and understand that there's, you know, uh, horrific stuff that happens. But I just didn't need to watch it. So right, we went back and we watched it. And obviously you get through that part and you get through. Uh, then things just Dang. went crazy. Awesome. <laughs> uh, and I loved the, I can't remember her name right now, the the main woman. But um, her sort of explaining Reddit. So I use Reddit every once in a while. But I de- I'm not using it all the time. I have friends right. who will like, they basically spend any time they're on the internet on oh, Reddit right. and, and doing that. That's just not how I operate. And so I'll go there every once in a while or sometimes I'll type something into Google and it takes me to Reddit sort of right, thing. Right, right. So when she was explaining Reddit and then explaining the unknown rule, hence the title of the documentary, I was like, yeah. oh, that's kind of fascinating. Like there's this crazy culture or subculture of whatever <laughs> happening on the internet that's just nuts that none of us need to go to, yeah. but apparently some people Seriously. do. But then there's still a rule. Like it's right, it's right. almost it's probably like the Irishman. Like there's still there's <laughs> there's still some like you're dealing with the mob and you're dealing with all this craziness. It's like right. nope, this is the unwritten yeah, rule. Right. Like yeah. th- do not cross this line. And so uh, that was fascinating once you, for lack of a better word, jump over that line right. and realize where this person was going to take it to. And then they talk to the other guy who, and just the, I deride the internet a lot and social media and the way that it's sort of, I feel tainted in our culture in a way, especially Twitter and the trolls and, and the way things oh, work of course, yeah. all the time. Uh, but to watch then the power of social media in this, you obviously had some people who were just hyper-focused and were at least initially more concerned about the well-being of cats. Right, um, right. 
and that's where it started. But to know that they were out there and they were in all these different countries trying to, I mean, they're going frame by frame in this video, and they're that like, is, the, the I, amount of detail. Yeah, they they're like, do you, do you see that outlet over there? Like, that's not a European outlet, <laughs> and right, and that's yeah. not a you know a Southeast Asian outlet. Like, that's got to be North North America and all that kind of stuff. They even found the vacuum cleaner. Right. Yeah, she went right. to that. She went to that little sub. She's like, oh, there's an online forum for everything. People who love for vacuum cleaners. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was there, and it was only sold here. Yeah. Right. So it must be North America. Here's all the here's all the information for that one vacuum cleaner off that one screen grab they gave you was a a friend of mine of ours alice she sent me a screenshot from the documentary saying that like um deanna thompson is her name Mm -hmm. uh body moving she uh that's right um she's like i spent 16 hours looking at fucking doorknobs (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. just just so uh would you would you feel about the documentary and that was just the first episode yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i thought it was great i do think I, there's just something about Deanna and John Green, the other, the, the two main right. internet guys. Yeah. I felt they were great. I just felt like they were like over, like they overdid it just like a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, like, what, like overdid the interviews or the overdid, interviews, oh, the, interview. the interviews, okay. the interviews. I mean, obviously they did a lot of work. Right. They did a lot of work trying to catch this guy, but I just, I don't know. I just felt like they were just like trying to oversell it a little bit. Sure. He's like, right. and then I went to the computer and then I booted it up. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, there was a couple of times I was like, "Man, he's really fucking building this up." Yeah. Like, <laughs> intense. This is the only time I'm gonna be famous. This is my five seconds of fame. Which, which you know what? Yeah. Maybe it's well deserved. Maybe because yeah. they he caught this. They they caught this crazy. They helped catch this crazy fuck. Right. And I think that's maybe just their personality too. Because to yeah, to try true. and get into the psyche of someone who would be willing to spend the majority of their free time. Searching for this person, correct? Who based on a thirty-second video and like try or a minute, whatever it was, and trying right. to like figure out who he is, you got to be in a certain place, and so for maybe sure. that's just the way. They maybe, are. yeah. Well, they said that you said Diana was her name, Deanna, Deanna Tompkins. Yeah, uh, she said that she was. She, I think, she went through a recent breakup, mm-hmm. and so she was just doing this to like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in this club. We're gonna find this guy in about two days. And then we're going to, you know, I did a good thing. Right. And then that turning into two years. Or 18 months or yeah. something like that. It was something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. And she said she didn't, in the documentary, she said that she didn't realize it was going to take this long to find this uh, this, this person. Or that it was going to affect her job. Remember, because there yeah. was that one point where um, the killer, Luca, sent her the video of with her tag name. And it was like a... I guess it was just like a cam shot of just like her, the first floor of her job. Right, right. And like, yeah. like if he was watching her and then she had to go and tell her bosses of that she searches for cat killers online. <laughs> I mean, she's like, I work with professional IT people and I had to tell them I'm hunting for cat killers right. online in my free time. She said that she was mortified. To yeah, that I, information. I as you would be. Yeah, I mean, you think right. about it, like to put yourself in her shoes, like, I don't know if I'd be able to have that conversation. Right. <laughs> and so here's, I don't want to discredit all the work that they put into to this. But here, the way that I thought about this, as as looking at the series as a whole, right? The the they were doing all this work. They were reaching out to police, uh, to the police in their respective places that you might have uh, a cat killer in your area. Uh, here's all this information. You should go look at it. Most of the time, they didn't take them seriously. And the way that I felt about it, because eventually he went from cat killing to being a murderer, mm-hmm. and yeah. so then he was on the run. And it wasn't until that they. Police force found uh, 
He sent body parts to oh, the to the right. to different parts of government right. or something like that. Yeah, that's right. And so at that point, then obviously they were investigating a murder. But at that point, obviously the uh, there were a high profile case to look after this guy to to see where you're gonna find him. Yeah. For me, at that point, anything before it, I felt like it was a waste of time for them. Because for for who? For, for the internet people. You mean for like as far as like introducing us like as viewers no, no, no. or you as, mean no, just no, as a story as the, no the whole story was very well crafted and it was a very interesting story to tell uh and to how they played out in this documentary what i'm saying as far as the, these people on the internet doing all of this work it felt like to some degree it didn't mean anything because at this point the focus was we need to catch this murderer and everything you were doing beforehand didn't really add any like didn't help the police try to find I mean it did help them in a way but like they were able to find who this guy was and it's for, at the time it was very shocking for him to see him in the actual news like oh my god this is the guy we try to warn them but now we're going to help him but if you didn't do any of this work I don't know I just I just felt like that they uh, maybe they 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 wasted all this time in this process. I'm not sure exactly what I'm trying to say. Well, then she poses that question at the end. It's like kind of like, but then it's kind of like the whole chicken and the egg mm-hmm. type of deal. Right. Like, and this is the, 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 the exact same point I'm about to get into. Yeah. No, I was just saying, you know, who started it? Exactly. Like, obviously he started it, right. but you creating this group and wanting to find him made it, made him want to go to the next level. Right. Because he was, and this whole time, Luca wanted the attention. Yeah. And this, this, these, this Facebook group, these people who were looking for him, gave him the attention that he needed to possibly do this again when they sent another cat video. They sent, she, he sent two. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go feel this fire. I'm going to give them more to work with. They're going to be on this for another couple of months. And like, I feel like he was, they're ramping him up. And they even posed that question, like, did we help create this? I don't want to say yes. But it could have been. I don't know. I would argue when they get into, I think it's the second episode, when they finally identify him. Right. And they, they're looking at his posts and they were looking at the 30 some odd <laughs> different accounts. All that shit that he created, yeah. That right. he's posting. Yeah. It's like, he's so hot right now. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> all the, like the, the uh, what's, what's the word? All the, the blog posts. The blog, but the validity, not the, uh, uh, he wanted to validation. give himself validation. The validation, yeah. yeah. Yes. And so... My take, and I know that she poses that question, and I think it's a valid question to ask whether or not he would have continued um, or if it would have gotten to that level. I would say based on what they showed, and again, we're only seeing you know maybe a microcosm of Correct. this. Because they don't, once he's caught, they don't really go into right. the extra. Yeah. And so I don't know if he gave interviews with the police and tried to say what he was doing. We just don't get that side of the story. So based on what evidence they show... I would say he was probably going to do this anyway. Whether there was a Facebook group searching for him or not, it seemed like he initially put the video out there because he wanted some attention. Of course. And either, I I don't know if he was expecting to get the attention of a group like this or just the police and play that sort of, you know, the the mind games with the police by posting random things. It just so happened that the first people that stumbled on it and started investigating was this group. And I think part of the documentary's purpose was to show this was in the middle of the rise of social media. And so you get this dichotomy. You get this one person who's using it for pure evil. 
and trying to to get himself out there and do whatever. Um, failed actor, like he tried out for the reality yeah, the show in Canada yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you've got this other group of people because if that happens, say in I'm thinking 2007, right? Yeah. MySpace is still sort of the main thing. Facebook is is only for college students, yeah. and I think maybe it had crept into high school at that point. Right. But you couldn't just sign up yeah. for an account, and so MySpace wasn't built like that. For the most part, you didn't have something like Reddit with a bunch of people looking. So even if he posts that video, I don't know if that gets found. I think maybe someone's like, look, this happened, and they give it to the police. Instead, this group's like, we have the power of the internet, and we know how to use it, and we know how to create this group, and we can figure – and we – are they were less concerned at the beginning about him escalating. I mean, they say that right, right. and everyone sort of has in the back of their mind that like the the FBI profile for a for a serial killer is that they're going to start mutilating animals and then they're going to ramp up if they're not caught, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think that group went into there. They were just like, dude, w- don't kill cats and and post yeah, it what online. The fuck are you like, doing? let's yeah. figure out who this guy is. Right. And I don't I don't know if originally they were thinking. I mean, I think John says it now. I don't remember if it's at the beginning or the end of the first or in the second. But he's like, he has escalated after the second video, and at some point he's going to kill somebody. Yeah. Right, yeah. And then, so I mean, they they realized what was happening somewhere in there. Um, that was my one sort of detraction for that show is that I did want to see what happens to Luca. Yeah. I, I sort of want to know happened what yeah. happened after there after that, but. There was a part where they interviewed Luca's mother, and you kind of see where you know he comes from. And I thought his his mother was just as equally as crazy as, as he was. Yeah, she's so delusional. She's yeah. clearly she's delusional. Like, my my son is is an angel. Mm-hmm. I, and this Manny is Manny, real. Manny, <laughs> yeah, the, the, Luca uh, fictionalized this Manny character, which I and I think it's very interesting, very fitting for this podcast, but. This was a, a murderer who fictionalized himself as a, a character. Based in, off two movies. And based off, yeah, two, uh, three. Well, no, it's actually, I'm sorry, I take that back. It was a, it was a few movies. It was a few movies, yeah. yeah. This American Basic Instinct. S- Basic Instinct, American Psycho. And Catch Me If You Can. Catch right. Me If You Can and uh, Casablanca. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. And, like, he, he, left, he left clues for people to find him. And, uh, you know, just them, like, learning about this person... Be able to, and then also what the mother said, like this is his favorite movie. But obviously, the people on the internet did not know or meet his mother. But we know it as like as this documentary was being formed, that basically this this guy was inspired by movies to either leave clues or just he wants to be this person. Um, it was also very interesting because we got into his maybe his mind, not his mind mm-hmm. per se, but like where these ideas might have came. Sure. From. And it's, it seems like maybe the, I mean, clearly the idea is to just be famous and, and put, like, I wonder if, say, this dude gets the casting call that he's always been looking for and right. just becomes famous. Does that part of him that decided to kill cats and then kill somebody, does that just go away? Yeah. Like, I got what you know I wanted. What I mean? Like, yeah. this is where I was going and I'm, I'm more concerned about the the fame and it didn't matter seemingly to him whether it was good fame and adoration or absolute hatred toward him. 
Like he just wanted to get. He just wanted to be point. known. But right. then here's the question: Did he achieve what he wanted? I would we're say all fucking no. Talk, we're, well, I mean, we're talking about it. I would <laughs> say yes now, but I had never heard this story. Oh, okay. Neither okay. I'd Same. never heard it. But we know it now. Right. But I have heard so many other yes. crazy stories. True. So if this documentary doesn't come out, I never know who this guy is. Right. Mm. Right. So I think there's people in Paris and London. There's obviously right, right. Deanna and yeah. John Gr- and like this group. They all know. But if you weren't part of it, I mean, this is not that long ago. No, it was less right. than a decade ago. So, it, it's because that's 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 the question that it poses. The end of the movie. I mean, I'm sorry. The end of the documentary <laughs> was that because of making this documentary, are we just feeding into what he always wanted? And uh, the mother actually made a good point. Uh, the Luca's mother, which I mean, she was crazy. Yes, but there was one part I'm like, well, she's not wrong. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and she goes, um, well, these guys are. They're, you know, stalking my son. Right. And they're spending all this time looking for my son. That's weird. I'm like... Going on Google Maps, tracking him street by street to match him up on a picture. I mean, what... Look, I... Genius. Yeah. Honestly, I think they're in the wrong profession. Yeah, correct. I think they should be investigated. You you have a lot of good energy you need to direct. (laughs) Well, and there's a whole... That was... There's a whole um, internet culture... This is a, a tangent on this, but they, there's a group of people online who just works to try and solve cold cases mm. around the country. Okay. Missing people, people who are feared to be dead, they've been gone. Um, there was a book around, uh, written about them, I think it was called um, like The Skeleton Crew, and it was how these internet, they would go on, they were fascinated by true crime, and they would look at something in their area and, you know, there'd be a Jane Doe who had some markings and it was case from 1967. And they're like, the, the police aren't looking at it anymore. And they were like, well, we have a group of people that would be willing to sort of look in there now that there's DNA, new DNA evidence, things like that. Yeah. And they started solving a bunch, like helping their local law enforcement do that. So I think this is sort of the natural evolution. They They didn't start working with law enforcement because they started in this one group. But I I think that's, I I think it is just part of the internet at this point in the way that social media works. There is so much information out there that you can find research that you don't have to be. And you can do your own investigations all the time with whatever information is out there. I mean, you're not going to just walk behind crime scene tape and start (laughs) doing something, but yeah. Okay. Any, anything yeah. else you want to add to that? Uh, no. I mean, I, I do think it, it was definitely worth it. It's definitely worth oh. a watch if you're into that kind of. If you're into it. Yes. I right. do think I do think it was tastefully done how they showed you the video, but also didn't show you the video. Right. Yeah. They they show and let you hear more than just enough mm-hmm. for what you to get the. I you can feel it. Right. right. Yeah. You you feel what they were feeling, and they even like we're showing it to uh, Diana. During the documentary, Deanna. Deanna, I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry if you're listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're good. It's okay. <laughs> she, not even lose my thought. What did Deanna do? <laughs> I don't know. Now. <laughs> All right. I can't bring you back on track. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know where you were going. No, I, I had the name. And that was it. I'm I, sorry, Matt. Um, we we. Well, I. Do you have any final thoughts on I, "Don't Fuck with Cats"? <laughs> like, we're just gonna go from there. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any final thoughts, and we're gonna move on. I, I don't. 
don't. You do, but you don't. I don't, I don't remember. We're going to get halfway through that. Like, I we're going to start gonna talking about Oscar yeah. shit, and he's going to yeah. be like, damn it, I remember um, you, what I wanted to say. You were, weren't were you going to say something about um, uh, American Psycho? Was no, that, it, did you I see don't, there a was nothing in there or something. Um, nothing really, just the the vanity. Okay, like the vanity in Christian Bale's character, like when he's um after he murders, uh, uh, I don't want to butcher that guy's name, uh, Jun Lin, I think his mm-hmm. name is. Yes, Jun Lin. Right, um, yeah. you know when he walks by and he like looks at himself. Like when I was watching Christian Bale in that movie, like that, I totally saw that. You know when he's like mm-hmm. banging that girl and he's like looking at himself and his muscles. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that that's what he saw. <laughs> <laughs> But but it's just it's interesting to see how when people watch content, how they latch on to certain things and it becomes a part of them. Right. Scary. Yeah. Very scary. Did you remember what Deanna wanted to tell you? (laughs) We still have some seconds. All right. We're going to do it it on that note. Guys, go check it out. It was definitely worth it. It was good. It was good. It was definitely good. Yeah, definitely worth the watch. Um, all right, so we're going to move on to the, uh, so yesterday, uh, the Oscar nomination has, uh, w- was dropped and it uh, sparked a lot of talk, but before we get to that, I just want to mention that two days ago on Sunday night was the, uh, Critics' Choice Awards. I'm mm. sorry, what was that? The Critic Choice Awards? Crit- you said Quittick. Quidditch? <laughs> Fucking Harry Potter? <laughs> the Critics' Choice Awards. <laughs> yes. And I think this this these these lineup of, of winners can give us an idea of like you know the like Golden Globes we talked about this last week and this another awards giving more winners to people more more or less by me giving you a, a, a rundown here that um, here's an idea of what could be like a pattern that can go into the Oscars. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood wins Best Picture, uh, just like the Golden Globes, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Renee Zellweger. You got it. Thank you. Look at you. Uh, so Brad proud of you. Pitt and Laura Dern won uh, uh, Best Acting in their respective categories. The Irishman wins Best Ensemble Cast. Okay. And I believe... I can agree. Like the three of them the, together. The yeah, I agree. Together, I could yeah. agree. I could agree with that. And I believe this is the first award this movie has been given in any of the award circuits so far. Okay. And, and it's know, been nominated for a lot. It's been nominated for a lot, but this is actually the first win. First that, win is actually interesting. Right, that, my, that I can understand. Uh, best director, which surprisingly ended with a tie. Really, Sam Mendes gets it for nineteen seventeen, as well as Bong Joon Ho gets it for Parasite. Mm. So Ooh. that's the, something to point out. I've never seen an awards show to go. We're going to end this in a tie. It was strange, but they yeah, didn't. it's like, almost like they we cannot make a choice. Right. Wow. <laughs> I'm not sure if they talked. The about critics it. couldn't make a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um, Greta Gerwig wins for Little Woman in Best Adapted Screenplay. So she, I've heard it's great. Yeah, it was very good. Design. Yeah, it was very good. Um, I have never seen any of the others. I knew bits of the story from when I was a kid, but I'd never actually seen like the 1994. Mm. Uh, I think Susan Sarandon. Yeah, kind right. of Winona yeah, Ryder yeah. version. I think Winona won uh, an Oscar for that. Um, my wife said that the 94 one was better. She thought the acting was better okay. and she liked that story, but she also grew up with it. Right. Mm. Um, I really appreciated Little Women because it felt not like what I expected a book about that time period and about this these sisters to be. Um, 
Yeah, it was really well done. Okay. I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, so, it's worth watching for sure. So definitely for a win for Best Adaptive Screenplay, it's nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, well, I don't know, no, but I also don't know who they, who what else they was in that category yeah, for the Critics' Choice. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Dolomite is my name. Finally gets an award. Awesome. Awesome. Um, have you seen it? I have not watched it yet. Oh. Have you ever seen Dolomite? The no, original Dolomite not. with no, Rudy Ray Moore. No. I stole that movie <laughs> from from Blockbuster. <laughs> what? Don't, don't tell them. So, yeah. oh man, they're out of business except in, in what, Alaska or like Oregon, a, something like that. Those few stores would be like, I we paid, want that copy no, now. I paid for it. I paid like $30 for it because if you just don't return it. Oh, don't yeah. Really got you but no, I that owned that movie. I have seen the original Dolomite at least 30 or 40 times. I'm surprised you haven't watched the... It's yeah. amazing. I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's just because it is... And I like Eddie Murphy. Yeah. It's just He's phenomenal in this role. Okay. Well, I def- but you know what? I wrote, I wrote it up. When I looked at it, I was like... I agree. I agree. Like I wrote it off. Yeah. I don't know, but okay. the trailer doesn't do it justice. I'll go. I'll go and watch it because the, I loved the original. I think movie. if you love the original movie, <laughs> I definitely think you will appreciate this. Okay. Film. Yeah. yeah most definitely. Check it out. Most definitely. I'll check that. Out. Um, yeah. One best costume design as well as best comedy. That, that okay. Good. I can agree with that. Uh, Avengers Endgame walks away with his first win. Really? Best action movie and best visual effects, which is important to this for the Oscars as well. Yeah. Winning a visual effects category. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that fight scene at the end. Oh, I know, right? So well done. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Toy Story Four walks away with uh, best animated feature. Okay. Which is right. Uh, Golden Globes gave it to Missing Link, so I wouldn't say. Yeah. It, I just just pointing it out that another it, Miss, Missing Link did not win another. I tried. Animated feature. Okay. You know, because it's on Hulu. I tried to watch it. I couldn't. Oh, couldn't really? You tried it wow. it seemed kind of good, but maybe there was just too much going on. Maybe I'll give it another try, but I put it on even with Hugh Jackman. I was like, yeah, uh, and, and, uh, it didn't uh, catch me yet. Zoe Saldana. Yeah. Well. See, I didn't even know she was in and, it because I didn't. Zach Galifianakis is yeah. in it. Yeah. No, yeah. Nothing. Hmm. I'm going to try again. Yeah, though. I didn't see that one. I mean, I, I want to say that it maybe got the one because either one, all the other movies, like we explained last week, wasn't great. Yeah. Or two, just the claymation of it all. And maybe that's what it is. I'm very, I'm very like, if I'm gonna watch animation, like it needs to be good. Is like, that uh, is the same people who did Wallace and Gromit? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So it's that weird. It's that. Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. Not really my thing, but I yeah. Get same. Right. Yeah. Okay. Same. Maybe that's why I didn't grab it. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, and then lastly, in the TV category, Succession and Fleabag won in their best best TV drama and best comedy. And uh, since we have all watched Watchmen, Watchmen was able to sneak in there in the in the award cat- in the award circuit for that one specifically. And uh, it won. Uh, uh, Regina King won for best actress. In a Absolutely. TV drama. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yep. And then Gene Smart won best supporting actress in a TV drama. Okay. Okay. I like that. Uh, I'm actually surprised that. Su- well, I'm not surprised. I love Succession. Same. Yeah. Um, you need to watch it, man. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I would say that I enjoy Watchmen more than I do Succession. Oh yeah. Oh for yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, I don't think Watchmen was. Up but it for wasn't that. up for that one. Okay. Yeah, I don't know where the cutoff is. So sure. I'm surprised that this movie. I, I didn't read the. I have to go back and look at the nominees. Did Succession win last year too? Is it two in a row for that? I, that I, don't... I believe so. Okay. Yes. It's it is really it is a smartly done show. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> um. So yeah. So I I um I need to watch Succession. <laughs> you do correct. You yeah. Do. I, 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 now you're the fourth person. <laughs> I've been telling you for months, even before we started doing <laughs> yeah, this yeah, shit. Right. He's like, you got to watch success. I'm like, right now, what are you doing with your life, man? You don't watch the show. Do it. Do it. <laughs> um, so that, that's basically wrapping up the, the critics. Yeah, the critics. The choice critics' choice. Okay. Th- at least those were the, like the things that I of that, note. Have note that I saw. That I'm like, well, okay, this is good to know for for the Oscars. But now going yeah, into the Oscars. The Oscars. 
Yeah, so uh, let's we'll start from the very beginning. Uh, best picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1917, Ford v. Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and Irishman. Shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nine, nine, I've seen a lot of these. I haven't seen... I haven't. Only one I haven't seen is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Jojo Rabbit and Little Women. But damn, if I had to pick... Did you see 1917? No, sorry. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. I'm going to see it next week. I'm going to see it next week. All right, sometime this week. Um, shit. I feel like 1917 is going to win. But without seeing it, I'm going to give it to Parasite. I, you know, you know, it's for me, it's, you know, it, it, no surprise that Parasite's also nominated for Best uh, Foreign Film. Uh, but because, and I feel like this is where the struggle hits, because it's nominated for that and it wins most likely it would win for that. It's hard to give it the same Both. award twice. Okay. And I've never I... seen it done before. I could be wrong on that, but I've never seen an, a foreign film win in the foreign category as well as the best picture. But it's rare for a foreign film to be nominated yes, Correct. for best picture. It is. So the fact that you would win one, the fact that you would win one mainly for foreign film, I feel like you've done the highest you can do. Hmm. So now being nominated for best picture is another thing and like would they give basically are you given the same award twice i don't think so i don't think so at all because you're up against a different class uh, a different i think critics are looking at it differently and so if a movie was able to sort of surpass their expectations and get over what bone said about the one inch like if you can get over that and now uh, you know, the, the Oscars voters are like, yep, we want this to be in the best picture category. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think that the other one is inconsequential. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't think that's how they would be voting, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't know I understand. Um, yeah. So I've seen uh, Once Upon a Time, obviously, Parasite Yesterday, uh, Little <laughs> Women, Joker, uh, and that is it. That are that are on here. I have zero plans to watch Marriage Story. <laughs> it was good. Uh, no, I know. I know. It's a good film. I, I know it is. I, I know. But, it, but you sure gotta you gotta like that. You have to be yeah. in the mood for that yeah. type of and film. And I'm sure it's really good. Uh, just like I know The Irishman is supposedly really good, but you haven't seen me watch that either. <laughs> no, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's really good. But it's good. It's Matt, don't lie. You didn't like it. I did. Some, I like the last you like part. Enough. You like parts of it. I like part three of a five-part series. Sure. <laughs> uh, Ford, Ford v. Ferrari. It was uh, good. That was a good movie. It seems like it would be really good, but it just wasn't. Like I know the acting has to be phenomenal. Like Christian Bale doesn't really make bad movies Correct. at no, this point doesn't. in his career. And I, I would sort of agree with you that 1917 may, may take it partly because there's been so much hype around it Correct. recently just going into the season and it's right. the isn't it the latest released yes. yeah. yeah out of everything on it here it will be the latest released right yeah. so that so there's a chance that that just gives it some some uplift i also think they look at war movies things based on you know historical because you look at everything else and while you could, I could almost make an argument about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but you'll see when you see it, it is right. a, it's not the history. It is very much a view into a certain area right. uh, or certain era, but it is not factual. It is not the things that were happening during this period of time. Yeah. But it has been winning. 
And that's the part that it has. And, like and, but you keep hearing from people that that might just be because Hollywood likes to give awards to itself. Look what they did with La La Land. Right. Yeah, they, well, they gave it to Well, you. they tried. They tried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, I'm they gave, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they gave it to uh, a couple years back. I think it was 09. They gave it to the artist. And a lot sure. of people thought it was an okay movie. But because it, it focused on Hollywood, then they gave it to that. And... Uh, the Shape of Water, which I thought another was that movie was okay. Like, was, yeah, it was, it was good. good. It was all right. It was good. But again, there was a moment where it focused on Hollywood and they gave it to it. Sure. So. I think that one was just so inventive. That too. And, and I'm different. Like discrediting yeah. the movie. But I, and the same with the artist. I mean, when was the last time you watched a silent movie? Yeah, that's true. True. Very true. So I think there was some filmmaking. That's why I think there's a chance, uh, a pretty good shot that 1917 would get it because. Well, it's not about Hollywood looking at it and the crafting that goes into basically faking a one shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah a pretty, lot of people are talking about the pretty, cinematography. It's pretty incredible. I mean, Roger Deakins, uh, he's the cinematographer for that. He did uh, Blade Runner 2049. 20, 20, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that was his first win um, that he was well deserved. I know he has a very long list, mm-hmm. but he's responsible for a lot of these long shots and so he was able to do it um i'm not sure i don't think he was responsible for i could be wrong but he could have done birdman and birdman was also a one shot did he shoot birdman I don't, within not, your retu i don't remember i'm not sure if he did or not but if he did that makes sense if he didn't that's fine but birdman was a movie that was entirely of a one shot and that one as well Right. Uh, well, picture. they never have an actual one shot. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the, just it's, the it's the thought that it is. Um, but that's also a movie about Hollywood. That is correct. So yes, <laughs> we're all in the same vein. There. Right. Uh, I've seen almost all of these movies, uh, the, with the exception of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I'm about to get there. Little Women and 1917 because that's just dropped. Um, Jojo Rabbit was a fantastic movie. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't get to see it. Uh, but yet. it's just not getting the buzz that I wish it deserved. Ford v. Ferrari is like, if I were to put this in like, man, I'm really happy if this one would definitely be Ford yeah. v. Ferrari. It's a fun movie. Okay. It's, it's very fun. It's a fun, fun. entertaining movie. Will it win? Probably, Probably not. not. Yeah. Not even close. Is there any chance that Joker wins? Yeah. In yes. your mind? Yeah, I think yeah, so. It's been nominated for 11 nominations going in here i definitely walks away with a, a lot of wins i assume uh it would be future. a his, it would be a historic win for dc comics it would be for, sure. for any comics for yeah. right for a comic movie to win yeah. an oscar like that i don't i'm not sure if a, a comic movie has none one. of the dark well yeah the dark knight they won lots of awards but they surely were not even no in the it, running it for those the best picture mm-hmm. that year mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there'd be a, definitely a huge feat for a comic book movie. And plus, everything that happened with Heath Ledger, you know, like right, with yeah, just the just the with Ledger. that everything that goes along with that character and the right. history of the movies that were made. So, I could see it happening and them making like a big moment about it. Right. I mean, they they definitely could. I mean, last year Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture as well. So, I mean, we're we're coming into the, I think the Oscars are coming to the idea that these types of movies that people are driving, you know, are, are or drove they're going to the theaters mm-hmm. and drove mm-hmm. uh, to see these, yeah, these movies yeah yeah um and so like maybe there's maybe we hold some weight a reason why everyone wants to go see these movies. yeah these superhero movies are what bringing people to the theaters again exactly. yeah they're, they're giving the theaters the money yes. i do think too there's a a difference in a movie like joker and a movie like black panther 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. You've seen. I, I've watched so many. Super, I love them all. Correct. They're fantastic. Um, I would put a movie even like Thor Ragnarok up there with changing the game and changing the way that yep. that yeah. the movies were made. I don't feel I loved Endgame and I liked Infinity War. I wouldn't put them up there as game changers. They were just the encapsulation of a twenty-one movie run. Correct. Yeah. Joker or Black Panther was the first black really black real superhero movie and the what that script threw out uh i mean when you've got <laughs> michael b jordan sitting there and he's like throw my body in the water i don't even remember the whole thing and it's like whoa yeah. and i remember looking over at people's faces in the theater and they were like i can't believe this dude just said that and it's like <laughs> this is real like this is some real heavy stuff Right. And and what they were dealing with within the comic book movie was intense. And Joker fell. I have a buddy who's a, a child psychologist and he and I had a long discussion about Joker. And you you think about the lack of funds in cities and states all across the country when it comes to mental health. You see some of the things that are going on and it felt very real like this could happen to anybody who was sort of at the breaking point and obviously you, you go into it knowing it's a comic book movie and where he's going to end up going but you're talking about joker right? i'm talking about yeah. joker now yeah, yeah. but it was so that movie is a fantastic movie if it's called anything else and has nothing to do with dc comics i agree with that so that's yeah. that's the one reason why obviously why they're looking at it and saying this could win because you can divorce it from that altogether. Right. I I didn't love the Joker. Really? I didn't love it. Uh, I liked Did it just it. make you feel uncomfortable? <laughs> <laughs> Did you need a safe on, space, on Matt? Top of, on top of everything else? <laughs> um, I think that movie was supposed to make you feel Absolutely. uncomfortable. Absolutely. The, yeah. the whole time. Um, I don't know. I, I, there's something about it that just didn't didn't sit well with me i felt like as a whole and i think you kind of nailed it on the head if this movie would have been called anything other than the joker and you could have you could have had the same movie called something else and i feel like for me it might have been uh not to say that it was better but like you could have still told the same story um i don't know it just it just didn't it didn't do it for me what did do it was joaquin phoenix performance sure he was amazing in that movie like he was like eerily captivating and you yes know, yeah and yeah. it's like you don't know what he's about to do when he's going to lose it and what he's thinking about and then the movie does throw in a couple twists and turns in there of like what is okay this this, this didn't happen at all mm -hmm. uh this, this right. was just all in his mind and then there was a point where you don't know where if maybe he did any of this stuff there was a theory sure. out there that that toward the beginning of the movie he was talking to a therapist and then we, we, we flash back very quickly to him talking to a therapist in, in a random point in the movie. And a lot of people speculate that this, all of the, this whole movie didn't happen. Mm. And eventually he was in an insane asylum, which that's where he ended up maybe shortly after he was talking to the therapist. Sure. So I could see, I, I can see you making I, I an argument for that. I don't quite believe I don't, that. I don't, I don't think that's where either, it was going. Right. I think that what we saw on screen, except for the parts that clearly were retconned in the middle of the movie, right, right, were, right. <laughs> um, were very purposeful. I also think that some of what you were just mentioning 
the the sort of eerie feeling and not knowing when he's going to snap that only works because it's the Joker and That's you go fair. in yeah. having some sort of knowledge about who this character is we don't know when the turn is going to happen and what's going to really set him off but we know it's coming right. and so if you just put out a movie and you're just watching and you don't actually know where it's going to go I don't know if you'd have that same feeling I also I also didn't feel like I was ex- like a lot of people maybe from what I've read they were they were like a shock value or surprised and like for me, maybe what I didn't quite like about the movie because I kind of knew where we were ending. Mm-hmm. And so when he made like these big shocking decisions, I'm like, well, that's not shocking to me. That's the Joker. That's right. what he does. Right. Uh, and so the fact that you know, uh, spoiler, that he he shoots Robert De Niro in the head and <laughs> live blast him in the face. <laughs> um, like to me, that wasn't shocking. That's just the Joker. A lot right. of people were unsettled with that. But I mean. You know, I don't know. I just like those type of moments where like a lot of people are saying that that was over the edge. And like, I don't think so. I mean, I've seen worse in other movies that are not called that. Um, And, you know, even in PG-13, you could see some worse stuff with that. Because this was a hard arc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When they they blow up planets, like just because you're not seeing the million people being That's so hard to fathom. I, I think that's where people, you know, it's like when you talk about a billion people and then you talk about like three right you know yeah, the three of us sitting true. here it's very easy to to see this yeah. and mm-hmm. so like oh you blew up alderaan all right <laughs> what's that like three billion people yeah. that's not that bad right. that's a fucking yeah. that's a that disney movie a thing. <laughs> that, that is a disney family else. that is yeah. a family friendly <laughs> movie right <laughs> right it's a kid's film it's a kid's yeah. film there's other planets yeah, yeah my kids watch it like oh what happened well, they're dead. <laughs> All those we just, people we just, just don't died. talk about that. Yeah. yeah. At least look, not yet. Look, it's Vader doing some lightsaber shit. <laughs> <laughs> don't, 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 don't ask me those questions. Yeah. Focus on Luke. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Use the force. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, know, I think all these movies feel like they're, and you know, I, I've sat through most of these um, are well deserved as far as nominations. That's good because there I are some times where they're not. Yeah, right. and so like I have, I mean, I believe except for 1917, at least one of us have seen all one of the movies. Yeah, 1917 is the only one we haven't. Right. Yeah. Correct. And so, like, with that being said, we didn't say anything bad about any of these films, or at least didn't feel like we did not Mm-mm. deserve to be there. So I, I feel like you know this year is a good nominations list. Yeah. They're, they're, they're definitely, each of them have their weight. Like, for you know, sure. be, yeah. have their weight to be there on that right. list. Right, uh, A lot of people said that, like, um, Rocket Man did, uh, did not get in there. Uh, Two Popes and Knives Out did not make it to the, to the Best Picture list. And I was completely fine with that. Because I've seen Rocket Man, I've seen Two Popes, I've seen Knives Out. And I wasn't blown away with any of those movies. Really? And so, like, I mean, they were good in their own right, but to call it a best picture of 2019. For the Oscars? For yeah. the Oscars? No, I'm sorry. That, that, I, I, don't, I don't feel like it, it did. It's interesting to me that, so, uh, if you remember back when Lord of the Rings was was still in, when they were, you yeah. know, when Return of the King came right. out, yeah, and yeah. it ends up winning, and, and it was sort of talked about, it's like, they're never going to give it to him for the first two. We got to see how this movie comes out. And then they were like, yeah, let's throw out all the accolades. I was surprised sort of to not see Endgame or, or Skywalker being talked about. Even, yeah. I mean, they just weren't even, maybe Endgame was talked about when it first came out last year, right, uh, right. but it was never really a consideration. It's just not the type of movie yeah. that normally goes. Right. But I thought because it was the culmination that maybe it would get 
more of a push to try and have it be in the best picture race. That's, that's fair. Um, yeah, that, that's a good point. I'm not sure why. I mean, in this particular list, uh, Avengers was only nominated for visual effects. Yeah, so I think so. I think, yeah, if, if scrolling through, yeah, I think it was only nominated for visual effects. So like, that's kind of where Marvel sat sure. for a very long time, up until Black Panther, right. where it finally got its, its due. And I felt like if I were to give a Best Picture nom, I would prefer it to go to Black Panther than I would oh, for, uh, for Endgame. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I just, again, thought that maybe that's, they would yeah, throw it out little, there for Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, so the best supporting actor, uh, best, sorry, yeah. best performance by an actor in a leading mm-hmm. role, Adam Driver in Marriage Story, Antonio Banderas in a foreign film called Pain and Glory, uh, Joaquin Phoenix as Joker, Jonathan Price in Two Popes, and Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, uh, Adrian, you said you saw, obviously you, you saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so do you feel like out of all the movies you've seen this year that Leonardo DiCaprio is deserving these top five? Uh, I think he uh, I think he is very deserving um, to be up there. I don't think he'll win it. No. And no, like I said, just in my own opinion, I sort of wish it were Brad Pitt in that spot oh, with okay. Leo as the support. I think Leo, again, in my estimation, would have a better shot of winning the supporting role if that's where he was. And I don't know how all that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who decides? Those? Right. Yeah, who right. goes where? Yeah. Um, it's also interesting. I don't want to. So they're, the opening shot of that movie, or one of the first times that you see the two of them together, they're in – it's um, it, it's shot from behind. They're in a car, and they're backing out, and they're sort of silhouetted. But based on their hair, you can tell that Brad Pitt is the driver, and Leo is the passenger. Mm-hmm. But their names – like Leo is on Brad Pitt, and Brad is on Leo. Yeah, oh, okay. like uh, when their names are are pumped up on the screen, right, right. which was just interesting to me. And then as the movie went, I was like, "Huh." It's like, why did they do and that? I, and like Tarantino <laughs> doesn't do things just, just randomly. Right. So yeah, that that's an inter- That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe because it, it, it's based on the movie itself is because Brad Pitt is Leonardo DiCaprio's stunt double. So maybe you let's believe that you know they are supposed to be the same person on the movie screen because that's what his job sure. is. Sure. So maybe that's maybe yeah, the I, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look. I didn't have time. I watched it and I can't <laughs> watch it. <laughs> Had to watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he's deserving of it. I, I, for me, it's Joker. It's Joaquin for that award for sure. He's been winning that award in every award. Yeah. And I haven't seen the other three, right. so I don't have any frame of reference. But if it were just those two, hands down, Joaquin. Like yeah. that was a mesmerizing performance. For sure. I, th- I think Joaquin will win. I would like it to go to Adam Driver because okay. I think his performance in Marriage Story was phenomenal. I think he played a great role, but I think the Joker's going to win. Yeah, it's it's a no question. Too. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, best best performance by an actress in a leading role. Yeah, Charlize Theron nailed it. Uh, in Bombshell, I'm not going to say this one right. Um, Shersha. Yes, Shersha Ronan. Ro- Ronan. Ronan? Yep. Oh, that's not even where I was at. Oh, okay. Were you talking was, about Cynthia Irvia? Cynthia Irvia. Yeah, those two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Saoirse Ronan and Little, and Little Woman. And what was the other one? Cynthia Irvio and Harriet. Thank you. Uh, Renee Zellweger in uh, Judy. Judy. And Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story. Um, this isn't actually... Well, actually, according to other... Again, just basing this off of other awards, uh, Renee Zellweger has been dominating in this category. So it's, it's almost, you know... 
yeah. to assume it's that biopic yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was the Ali and Ray and and all those. If she apparently, I again haven't seen it, but it sounds like she stepped into the role. When you can't, when you look and you know it's Renee, but you can't really divorce her right. from Judy, Judy at that moment. I mean, that's how you. I was like, oh, I yeah. guess she did a good job. Yeah. yeah, without seeing the movie, it's hard to to judge it. Just from what I've seen, right? The little things. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Ernesto and I have seen uh, Bombshell, and yeah. Charlize Theron with, as Megyn Kelly is. She was phenomenal in that movie. Fantastic. She was fantastic. She was the best thing about that movie for sure. Okay. And then we've also saw Marriage Story, and in my personal opinion, for what I've seen, and now I guess I've only ever seen two out of these three movies. Which by the end of this, I will have seen the other three. Yeah. But Scarlett Johansson was amazing in that role, and that's why every, I'm gonna give. That's what I'm gonna give it to. Right, really? Yeah. yeah. I, Scarlett. Like, she, she's fantastic. I don't. Think she, unfortunately, I don't think she's going to win. No, I don't think she's going to win. But That's what I want to win. Well, right. I think it's well-deserved, for Correct. sure. Correct. Um, but this is, without, this is without me seeing Little Women, because I have a feeling that that might win. Oh. Speaking of, I don't know. I just I, A lot of people are starting to talk about the, yeah, the yeah. rendition of sense, Little Women. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I liked Shersha's character in Little... So she's the, the main... Yeah. Um, she's Joe. So she drives that but there were other i thought she was great um but i there i would rather um i think it's in the supporting like the she's more supporting yeah okay yeah and and partly it's just the ensemble there people are on screen for so long oh okay in it that it didn't really yeah like she you don't think she stood out as as a leading actress no i think the uh i think it's florence who's up for the actress in a supporting role Mm. as the sister i think her care for me again not knowing the story going in her character took over for me okay in that story more so than what shersha even though i know shersha is the main character right if that makes sense yeah um and i also don't know it partly because of backlash and the only uh, person of color who's nominated in here is Cynthia for Harriet. I don't know if if the voters, and I haven't seen it, right. um, she's great. But I wonder if they end up trying to give it to her as some sort of like, well, we, you know, we, yeah, we're fine. <laughs> How's best leading? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I think, call. yeah. With that being said, though, you know, going back to the um, to the best performance by a leading actor, you know, in the Golden Globes, there's a distinction between drama and comedy. True. In the Oscars, we don't have that Very luxury. Very true. And so, I misspoke. Antonio Banderas is, is up for act, actor in a leading role. So. Right, yeah. Yes. So there's the... The, the diversity mm-hmm. right um i i felt like if you know if they were going to truly diversify this, this this the oscar nominees then i mean with with seeing two popes i don't want to discredit and also i haven't seen Leonardo DiCaprio's performance but based out of these two without discrediting their performances i would maybe replace one of them with eddie murphy and don't mind mm. my name because that movie and his performance were amazing. Incredible. Interesting. Yeah. And, and Eddie Murphy was obviously absent in this nomination, as well as the movie itself. Dolomite Is My Name is not not anywhere in the Oscars, mm-hmm. which yeah. is very surprising because it had a decent amount in, in the Golden Globes. So with that being... It didn't get the hype on... I mean, people loved it, right. apparently. I'm listening to what you guys say about it. But every time I turn on Netflix, Irishmen showed up. Yep. Well, yeah, they're definitely... 
hitting that one home. Yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna push that Scorsese. Yeah, they were film. like, well, <laughs> we got to do this. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that they're pushing so hard for this movie and yet it's not winning anything. Right. Yeah. Which, in my opinion, it's a good thing because I didn't like the movie that much. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there, I don't think it was that captivating. Like it didn't do much except for the de aging. But anyway, I'm not gonna. Get so it. you guys would go with Marriage Story on that one. Sounds like I need to see this movie. Yeah, it's good. With, with Marriage Story for what? For, for, I don't for think Scarlet. You... For, yeah, that's no, for no, me. Push. I don't know. Did you? Is that you have the same? As a, without seeing Little Woman, Judy, and Harriet, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but right now, Renee Zellweger has been dominating in this right. category. Right. So yeah. With that being said, uh, supporting uh, actor in a role, uh, you have Al Pacino in The Irishman, Anthony Hopkins in Two Popes, Brad Pitt is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joe Pesci in Irishman, and Tom Hanks in Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. That's a hard one. I've only seen one of these, so I would give it to him. <laughs> I saw him. He wins. Well, f- funny enough, you saw the one. Brad Pitt, again, has been dominating right. in, this, in this category with from other awards, which is surprising to me. And that's actually the only movie I haven't seen. But based on this list, I would give it to Joe Pesci. As yeah. much as I didn't really care for The Irishman as a whole, but his performance was, was captivating. Yes. Like, he did a lot without doing a lot. Okay. Correct. And then you have, Which is sort of his MO. Yeah. He, he's always sort of done that. Um, I couldn't tell if some of the hype around Pesci, again, haven't seen it um, and love his work, but I didn't know if part of it was just seeing him back at it again. That could be and sort of I think it's some of that in too. In the roles yeah. that he had, I mean, this is what Find he's famous career, for. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I'm sure it was wonderful. I, Brad Pitt, um, a lot of times I don't really appreciate all the work that he's done. Um, you know, he was great in 12 monkeys. Um, he was great in, uh, true romance, <laughs> but it was such a minor role. Like it was well before he was like leading man style. And right. I think he just outdid himself in this movie. Okay. So, I mean, based on your opinion, he, he oh, he nailed it. He nailed it. He okay. nailed it. Absolutely. I, I, I really, I could have a different opinion once I see that. Sure. Movie because like, I'm between, excited for you to see it. Between Joe Pesci and, and for me, my second pick would be Tom Hanks. He encapitalizes his, I think I said that wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll go with it. He was Mr. Rogers. Okay. Yeah. He, that he did was, a great job. He did a great job. Like I, I was just sitting, like I just waiting for him to come back on the screen and like, what do you have to say, Tom Hanks? What, Teach what? me more about life. Wow. <laughs> it, it was really... It was good. It was, it was very great. It was I was surprised movie. that he was in a supporting role, but that's having not seen I the movie. I was surprised he wasn't yeah. in the It makes sense category. once you see the film. Okay. Because sense, it, yeah. the main focal point is of the, the journalist, journalist who was covering him. Okay, he, right. he used the main focal and I saw, point. I assumed that when I saw this Best list support, come yeah, out. Right. Okay. Um, Best Supporting Actress in a Role, you have uh, Florence... Pew. Pew yep. and Little Women. Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell. Laura Dern and Marriage Story. Margot Robbie and Bombshell. And Scarlett Johansson and, and uh, uh, Jojo Rabbit. Funny enough, Scarlett Johansson has never received an Oscar nom in, as, in her career. She received two in two different categories. Wow. In two different movies. Has anybody ever and won both? That's both a very good question. That's a good question. and supporting. supporting at the same time? Uh and that's I don't because that would be incredible. That would be incredible. I don't yeah. think that she'll do it. No, I don't. It, think no. in the actress category, um, I she's up like against she, a lot. I feel like she has a good shot of getting it in supporting. Okay, I, I feel like maybe they gave her the noms in both, 
But because Judy, I'm sorry, <laughs> because Renee Zellweger, Zellweger, I, I was doing so well. <laughs> you did so well. I know. You did so yeah, well I've for so long. Zangwinger. Zangwinger. Zellweger. You got it. Yeah. You got uh, it. Because she's been dominating in that category, I feel like she would win it, but then maybe Scarlett Johansson would win Best Supporting Role. Okay. In Jojo Rabbit because she was also phenomenal in that movie. I can see that. Yeah. Um, I heard, I hear Kathy Bates was great in Richard Jewell and have heard good things about that movie in particular. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, uh, yeah, Laura and Scarlett. I didn't see Bombshell. Uh, and Margot Robbie, does. she plays like an unnamed, she's not unnamed, but she's sort of an amalgamation of... Correct. Different people, unlike the Gretchen character and the Kelly correct. character. Okay. Correct, correct. Um, Florence Pugh is the highlight actress in Little Women for okay. me. Mm. She was awesome. Um, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything before. She's about to be Scarlett Johansson's sister in Black Widow, according to Ooh. the trailer. Oh, she was, That's her. She was in uh, Fighting With My Family. Yes, she is oh, in that a, as well. That's a great movie. So yeah. she's been on the up and up, and she was fantastic in Little Women. Okay. And I think partly they had changed up her character a little bit. Greta decided to do something a little bit different with her character. Right. Um, instead of her just being sort of spiteful and the antagonist. She's the antagonist, mm. where Shersha's character is definitely the protagonist of the book. But she made it less uh, polarizing. Okay. A little bit, so it's it's quite interesting. So she was, also she was in, fantastic. She was also in Midsommar. Oh, yeah, oh right. okay. She was yeah. Danny. I haven't seen it, and you I see? haven't seen that either. Yeah, I that was, they got great reviews, and ne- and didn't show up anywhere. Nope. No. Neither no. well. <laughs> did Us, which was also a great movie. Correct. No, no mention. Correct. A lot of people yeah. thought that uh, um, that it would be on here. Jordan Peele. Not not Jordan Peele. The, the actress name. Uh, oh, I was surprised Lupita Lupita Nyong'o. Nyong'o's yeah, not on yeah, here. She, yeah. She, yeah. She now that I think she, about it. She yeah. should have been. Yeah, that was so. great. I think it's maybe it's hard when those movies get released so early in the year. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they almost get forgotten, yep. you know? They I forgot they, that came out in 2019, yeah, exactly. honestly. Yeah, for real. They didn't forget about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because that came out in June. July, okay. So definitely in Correct. the summer. True. And they held on to that one. Like, oh, well, we'll keep this what one over it? here. It's that Hollywood movie. Yeah, that's right. what it is. Um, Laura Dern, though, has been dominating in this category. Has she? But I don't know if Scarlett Johansson has been a running made in this. But I'm hoping that maybe because of she was nominated twice, that they will give her one or the other, in my opinion. I feel like this, the latter is the supporting actress. Okay. In and she's opinion. in... Um, yeah. She's also in Little Women. Laura like Dern? Laura yeah. Dern's everywhere. Oh, really? Yeah, right she now. was in Last like, Jedi. She's, yeah, she's <laughs> literally everywhere. Isn't she also a big little right now. Yes, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she, she is. is. So she's she, all over the place. She's checking all these boxes. Yeah, she's been here. doing a lot. Like, this nomination and this nomination and this nomination. Keeping busy. <laughs> Uh, best directing. I feel like this is a hard category to go off. Yeah. Um, Bong Joon Ho and Parasite. Martin Scorsese and Irishman. Quentin Tarantino and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sam Mendes, 1917, and Todd Phillips in uh, Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, for directing, I'm gonna go with Sam Mendes. Just f- yeah. for you know, for a war movie, pulling off the one shot like that. That's the hype around it, around him right now. I I would agree. Um, I, again, I think there's a real chance they give it to Quentin. Um, they just the Golden Globes. Did they? they Golden so. Globes won for that, but then um, Sam, Sam. No, I'm sorry. 
uh, Quentin won for best screenplay. Okay. Uh, Sam Mendes won for best director. Yeah. And I could easily see it going that way. Um, I'd like to see Bong get it. Yeah, uh, that'd be awesome. To see that as well. Um, I don't think that you have a bad. I don't. I don't think you can make a bad choice here. No, I don't think so. Um, a, a lot of people were saying that Greta Gerwig and Taika Waititi got snubbed in this category. Um, it, it, but they, to counter that, they did get love in the screenwriting category because they were both nominated in original and adapted screenplay. So like they were still nominated for an award, but the. Um, I, I feel like that at least Taika Waititi maybe should have gotten it over maybe top film, sure. in yeah. my opinion. Um, best Original Screenplay, 1917, Knives Out, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and, and Parasite. Um, Quinn Tarantino's writing has been dominating in that category as well. Um, I, I feel like, personally, it should go to Marriage Story, because that, that script, if, if Marriage Story is going to win anything, it, it would should be that be, one. It should be that one, for sure. Even though it's up against Parasite, though. I know, and that's, that's also going to be great, tough. That's going to be a tough one. I I agree with you, but I do feel like, I don't know, Parasite is just more of an original story. Okay. Originally crafted story. It's, it's well crafted, for correct, sure. Correct, correct. Yeah. Well, his marriage story was an original, obviously it's an original story, but, you know, like, I don't know. I just felt like there was more put into, for, like, to win best original screenplay, I feel like right. it would go to Parasite. Fair enough. Uh, best adapted screenplay, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Irishman and two popes. This is a very interesting category because I don't believe that, from my understanding, I don't know who's been winning because mainly Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Hollywood has been winning in screenwriting categories. So the fact when you split them up and uh, you look at this to see, all right, well, who can have a good chance of winning this? One could say Joker, but again, I'm putting my head in in a Jojo Rabbit. I thought it was a very well. Well, I think this is the one where Little Women could win as well. Uh, Oh yeah, just because it is such a vastly different—not vastly—it's just a different telling of a story that's been around. This is like the fourth time they've made this movie. How many times has this story been told? Yeah, it was so different that I think there's a chance that she could get it for that. Uh, uh, For cinematography, I feel like you know, out of 1917, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Irishman, and The Lighthouse. Um, they, they, the lighthouse could take a, a very because it's, it's <laughs> oddly put in here in this Oscars uh, nominations. It could just sneak a win. Sure, but when you it's say, probably nineteen seventeen. It's probably going to be nineteen seventeen. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to harp on that too long. Um, then you have film editing, and that's also an interesting. One you have Ford v Ferrari, Joker, Parasite, Irishman, and Jojo Rabbit. Uh, you would think that for editing a one shot, you would have nineteen seventeen there. It's not. Um, so I, mean, I think it's because there's so many long, like you still have to edit precisely, but it, because it's made to look like there are no cuts, yeah, um, it would be. It's just hard for them to say because every like you look at a movie like Parasite, and it's seamless, and it's all. I mean, right. you think about how many different scenes and cuts there are in there, <coughs> and it just worked perfectly. Yeah, I feel like the. If any, maybe hopefully Ford v Ferrari can get a good nom in here because that movie is fast paced. I feel like okay. there's no shot really that they kind of lingers for too long, except for when they're trying to tell the story. But like when I I felt like if anything, you were watching a movie and, and a movie about racing that didn't get lost. You didn't get lost when you were watching this movie. 
It's not like you're watching Transformers where there's so much metal going around. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> but uh, but this one, like they, it was really well-crafted. I think they can walk away with a win. If anything, I think Ford v. Ferrari is going to win in sound editing for that for mm. that exa- for that exact same reason. Okay. Because um, all, they, all they put in there, because it kind of went together, like the dri- especially those driving scenes, like right. how much you have to put in there to you to listen to the car and see it. Like I think those go hand in hand, but if I think they went, obviously it's without seeing 1917. That's also up for sound editing. Right. Also rise of Skywalker. Uh, for sorry, I'm just scrolling through. This yeah, is for no, best no. achievement in sound, sound editing. Um, yeah. I mean, these type of movies, uh, do kind of get it cause it's a space adventure. Correct. Um, and you know, when you hear pew pew, you know, <laughs> it, it goes a long way. Yep. Uh, and these, these are very original sounds. Also speaking of rise of Skywalker, John Williams is getting its due. Uh, his last round in the Star Wars universe, getting an Oscar nom for uh, best music, best original score. Right. Um, and I think he probably takes that. He could take uh, again. It. That's without seeing 1917. Joker was great. The score in that was amazing. And it has been winning. And yeah. I, I feel like that's who. Had they been up against in the other ones? Have they been up against Rise? I don't so. Think so. Yeah. I think there's maybe a legacy there with John Williams. And again, the last one that he's going to do more than likely. Yeah. I don't know. Um, best uh, sound mixing, interesting enough, and sound editing typically go to war films mm. um, because of well-crafted. And tip also, you know, if, if the history repeats itself, whoever wins sound mixing will most likely win sound editing. And based out of observation, the only two movies that correlate with each other I'm sorry, three movies is 1917, Ford v. Ferrari, and Joker. No, mm-hmm. and, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'm sorry. So only, there's only, oh, I guess four movies are both nominated for both. So I feel like they're both going to get... If you're going to get one, uh, then you're gonna probably going to get, gonna get, get, get the, the other. other. Got right, it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like we mentioned earlier, visual effects, uh, 1917, Endgame, Rise of Skywalker, Irishman, and The Lion King. <laughs> um, I feel like maybe Endgame could actually get this one. Maybe. Maybe. I would think so. Again, not knowing what... They, it's probably 1917. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's almost like we don't want to give it to a superhero movie, so we're going to give it to a more respectable movie. Sure. Give it we're going to give it to the real heroes. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, I can also see... I feel like Lion King was just thrown in there. I feel like they got their visual effects award when the Jungle Book came out. Same technology. Um I think that movie was more well deserved than Lion King would be, and but they can also give it to the Irishman as well because of the de aging. Right, but that's yeah. also nothing we haven't seen before. That's why I feel like, like if Endgame can like give you a culmination of all this and like it looks it looks amazing. Right, I you know it could walk away with the win there, um, and then uh, uh, two more we want to hit uh, best animated feature. Um, it's this one has been interesting because I feel like every award season they're nominated in different animated movies which is interesting for this year specifically, um, which gives a real chance for anybody to win this one, honestly. Uh, Best animated feature goes to How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body, which is a Netflix movie. Klaus, which I just talked about last week. Yeah. Well-deserved. Also Netflix, right? Also Netflix. The Missing Link, which Ernesto couldn't get through. And Toy Story (laughs) 4, which I I feel like that's the obvious choice. Yep. Um, Because Pixar, the animation was beautiful, but... All these other movies that were nominated, the animation is so unique that I feel like if this is maybe the first time, we're like I'm just gonna throw Pixar off the wayside and focus on these other. Hmm. So would you give more. it to Would you give it to Klaus? I, for my opinion, I've seen only Klaus and Toy Story four. 
but just based I thought you saw How to Train Your Dragon. I'm sorry, you're right, I did. Um, I would the movie I enjoyed the most was Klaus. Mm. So just pure enjoyment factor, and the animation <laughs> was also nice as well. Um, I'll give it to that. But I'm happy to see that it was nominated because I didn't think it was going to be. Yeah, um, I think Toy Story is a hard one is a hard hill to get over for the other ones because again, it's the end. There's a lot of them. Well, they said that was the end for Toy Story. Too. I know, yeah, but like, there's a very real end yeah. here in Toy Story. They Correct. may have a Toy Story five, but it's going to have a it's going to be different, different yeah. feel for and, sure, and different yeah, things. Yeah. So I I don't know. I I, I felt like I just wasn't sold on it, and like I'm not seeing a lot of buzz around it, but sure. also not seeing a buzz a lot for the animated. Oscar season this year. Correct, so correct. Yeah. Who knows? Um, and then lastly, because we watched at least more than half of them, mm-hmm. um, Best Animated Short Film, mm-hmm. uh, we in the description are going to try to give you guys... The links, if they're the, still active, if they're still up. Yeah, of some of these, uh, you know, for documentaries and uh, documented short live action, short films. Uh, these, these are the hardest ones to get to, um, but sometimes YouTube will throw us a bone and you can watch it. Um, and not have to pirate it or anything like that. Uh, but we did end up seeing uh, three out of the five best animated short films, Hair Love, Kit Bull, and Sister. The other two were made, I think one in France and one in... Uh, uh, French, I think? Yeah, one was in France, and the other one was in uh, the Czech Republic, I think. I don't know. And, and so, yeah, those are a little bit harder to obtain. But based out of the three that we've seen, which ones are we more feeling? I'm feeling hair love, just because I have a daughter, and I've. I mean, I kind of felt it with sister too, because you know, having gone, you know, he was talking about his uh, mom going through like losing the baby and stuff like that, you know, not seeing that other side. Like I can only imagine what my kids went through when my wife lost her baby. You know, were they thinking those same things like this kid was when he was talking about his sister that could have been, you know? But I'm going to give it to Hair Love. I really like the animation. The story was really great. It was kind of heartwarming. So that's me. I, I liked Hair Love and would not be disappointed at all if it won. Uh, I definitely liked it better than Kit Bull. Um, Sister was... I knew there was something going on in Hair Love before it got to the end. I wasn't exactly sure mm-hmm. how it was going to end. Uh that ending didn't surprise me. The sister ending surprised me when it I can got, agree with when that. it got to it. I sort of had an inkling just because of the language right. and, and kind of envisioning, but I wasn't thinking about it. I was just thinking like, oh, this could be something cute. And it just completely turned on. It's, it's kind of the same way I felt um, in a different way watching the Pixar bow. Um, oh, yeah, and like, yeah. the, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so both of those, uh, Hair Love and Sister, sort of subverted what they were showing originally. Um, I do. I thought the animation on Hair Love was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I would give it to Sister. Yeah, Sister yeah. was uniquely animated. And I... Uh, like so the, the pulling yeah, they showed and like, the, it was weird. just... Yeah. It was and weird that should me. have That's clued me in now that I think about it. Like, there was some stuff there, but... Yeah. Uh, but I mean, maybe because of the uniqueness of it, it wasn't a standard animation style. Mm-hmm. Maybe that and then the story itself, I kind of more or less maybe give it to a Sister as well, even though I, I enjoyed Hair Love more. Yeah. Especially, you know, it's, it's a sweet story. It uh, is. Just trying to... Pretty much just trying to get by. Yep. I like and I liked Kitbull, but I felt like Kitbull was a little too political for me. Yeah, political. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like there was a there were, like there was like little subtle things. Like 
you know, just the animal abuse and then like the whole environment thing when the cat gets his head caught on the caught on the um the can the yeah, the, the can. plastic can holders. Right, right, I was yeah. like, oh, like I don't know. They just felt I just felt like they threw a lot of these little subtle things in there. <laughs> I don't know. So it it like pulled me out of the story. I was like, oh, okay, that's an that's an interesting choice that they made. Okay, um, interesting about Kitful and you know where that came from, uh, Pixar. Um, because not everybody can work on, like, basically, uh, Pixar started this thing called Pixar Shorts, mm-hmm. giving up-and-coming workers chances to make uh, a freedom creative outlet mm-hmm. to make short films. And this one actually, not only did they, this was made, and so it's cool that they're giving workers an opportunity to do this as, you know, as future animators for maybe uh, future for movies. Um, but then they were also able to not only animate these uniquely and differently than other Pixar movies, but also to direct them right. and kind of show their style. And so the fact that this was able to maybe to get into an Oscar season, it kind of just shows like, hey, whoever directed this was like, hey, you know what? <laughs> you should be looking at me. <laughs> Let's do that. this. Yeah. I, I wonder, though, I think Disney Plus sort of um, made Kitbull, it kind of turned me off Kitbull, just because I've watched a lot of the shorts that are on there now oh, yeah. that I hadn't seen before. Right. And so there are others that are on there right now that are better, better. for me than Kitbull. Mm-hmm. And so I know that this probably not, I, I mean, that's not how the voters are going to do this, but right. that's how I was looking at it. I was like, no, Oh, sure. there's definitely better ones that are on there right now right. than this. And so I'm trying to put it up against that. I, I, I agree with that. It's kind of, you do have that kind of like that filter. You're like, right. well, they, the two, two, like about a month ago, they had released another one, which is, well, well animated story message, and yeah, I feel like maybe if they were to give it to a Pixar short, I think they could have given it to something else. Right? Yeah, um, but yeah, I think if nothing else left to say, uh, I think that wraps up our Oscars. Oscars, yeah. it's it's gonna be a good one, guys. Um, it's earlier than normal, February Sunday, February 9th on ABC 8 p.m. That's where it's gonna be airing. That's where I'm gonna be because uh, if you if you didn't. Look at it before you can now for the Oscars. We're gonna be doing live updates. Yeah, when they're coming out. This we'll post it to the story. story. Yeah, and uh, you will not miss a thing. I will be asleep <laughs> uh, because well, maybe uh, there's actually a chance. What what day? It's a Sunday. Sunday uh, the, the ninth. Yeah. yeah, that's our due date. So no. I, won't be, I won't be sleeping at all. No, no forever. You, you, no. Won't be <laughs> you, you won't know what sleep is anymore. <laughs> you, like Oscar, what? No, I don't care yeah. who wins at this yeah. point. No. Yeah, correct. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there, you have a good reason for that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sure. I'll find it online. <laughs> well, and Adrian, now kind of we want to lo- learn about your journey, like how you were a Marine mm-hmm. uh, from '99 to 2003, and then. You uh, moved on in the anchoring, uh, reporting, and anchoring. So we, I mean, us, we kind of want to know, like, how did how did all that come to be, and your love for movies and reporting? Like, how does that how does that come together to be Adrian Whitsett? Um, I, I guess I, I did like chorus and drama when I was in high school, um, more so than I did sports, and just sort of was kind of naturally inclined to be in front of people, and mm-hmm. I did speech and debate and things like that. And so um, that part of it came naturally. I went to the Marines because I was looking for a way to just sort of get out of Omaha and um, help pay for college on the back end. And I ended up going, my first two years were pre 9-11. My last two years were post 9-11. Oh, okay. Um, and my last several months uh, in the Marine Corps were overseas in Iraq. And so when I was over there, 
there were uh, there were reporters and there were uh, photojournalists and and all sorts of things. And I just sort of I, my parents were looking for news reports coming out of my unit, Second um, Light Armor Reconnaissance Battalion, and weren't really seeing it. And part of it is that we were pushing up very quickly into Iraq. Um, but then the reports that they were getting and some of the things that we could see people reporting on, I was just like, I could do that. I felt like I could do this better. And I felt like if I had a chance to go back over, I would already understand what war was like wow. if I got sent over to do it. So I had never thought about doing it before. I also have one of my best friends uh, was working at the, uh, the station in Omaha where I grew up, one of the stations in Omaha where I grew up. And so I started asking her about it and she's like, absolutely with your skill set based on, you know, being in front of people, all this kind of stuff, the discipline that you now have for the military, if that's what you want to do. The one thing I didn't know if I would be able to do was write. I'd never done anything more than like a creative writing class in yeah. high school. And so I went uh, to the University of Nebraska at Omaha for a while and just sort of took, I I planned to do journalism, but I started, they do everything writing. You don't get a camera. You don't step in front of a camera. You don't do anything but learn to write stories. And so I started that. I did that for two years. Uh, spent another year learning TV and putting things together. Um, I did series on jazz. And uh, I played, well, I haven't played bass in a while, but I've played bass <laughs> since I was about 15. And so um, I was bringing friends in and we were recording music and playing music. And I was doing that as part of TV and learning how to edit and, and basically cut like a music video or a 30 minute segment yeah. and, and interviewing people and honing all those skills. Uh, and then went to Lincoln where I was going to have more opportunities. And that my last six months while I was in school. So this was 2008, uh, I was 27 at the time. And I got the job at that same station in Omaha. Um, and uh, my la yeah, it was, it was my last semester. I still had a couple months to go, but I was working full time for the station. I was also at least at first working at Home Depot. <laughs> that was the job that I had my entire collegiate <laughs> career. I worked at Home Depot for five years. Um, and yeah, full time reporting. And then a few months later, I just got into anchoring and I stayed in Omaha for seven years and then moved here to Orlando with the same company. Um, so now I've been with Hearst for 12 years and just keep it going. And I've always just sort of progressed. I was the morning weekend anchor in Omaha for a while. And then I was one of the nighttime anchors. And then I came here and I was the weekend anchor. And now I'm the more, one of the morning anchors. Yeah. So, awesome. and the movie thing, I don't know. I just like <laughs> stories. I, I think that's sort of the, the, the get, I mean, you can tell that from here. Yeah, of course. It doesn't really matter what the story is. There's stories that I dislike. Um, I read a lot as a kid too. And I think that was part of it and, and maybe why, uh, just the words in general I'm mm. okay with. And I don't, I love watching movies uh, and, and sort of the way they're crafted, but I'm also just as intrigued with, with the way the words are put together mm. and telling the story in that way. Awesome. Yeah. The, uh, you mentioned, you know, you were in, during your time in the Marines, you were, it was pre 9 11 mm -hmm. and then post 9 11. Was there a lot of differences between the pre and the post? Yeah. Um, I, so I was in uh, Okinawa for a year which was vastly different than being on a base here in the States. You, they tell you, especially the Marines, they tell you that you're an ambassador because you're in another country. And so anytime you were off base, uh, you know, you're in a belt and a shirt tucked in and it was very proper. The Marines are just sort of like that anyway. Um, but it was more so in Okinawa and then Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Um, it, I don't want to say it was more laid back, but that wasn't sort of the, 
the goal for that unit. It was a frontline unit in 14 ton vehicles with chain guns on the top of them. And it was about being in the front. And Mm. so the, the first year that I was there, um, maybe year and a half. Is that right? Um, cause yeah, so that I got there at the end of 2000. So not even quite a year that I was in Lejeune before nine 11 happened. And, but our, it was mainly about keeping, keeping up with vehicles. Um, my actual job, my MOS, the occupational specialty was logistics. And so it was getting, I ran the tool room at my unit in Camp Lejeune and I got parts back and forth between the guys who are doing maintenance on the actual LAVs. And then they're like, Oh, we need to get, you know, this engine shot. We need to get it out of there. And we would figure out ways to do that logistically. Um, so that was the main job. Once nine 11 happened, our training ramped up and we started doing different training. So we used to just go out and you'd shoot and you, you know, you rifle qual and mm. we take the guns, the LAVs down range and fire and whatever. I didn't really have a part in that. Uh, because I'm not a gunner and I wasn't in the vehicle. Once the training started ramping up, though, we all kind of fell back into our roles as riflemen first in the Marines. And so there was more of a focus on that and close quarter combat and breaching buildings and things like that, that we just, we still trained on them, but there was much more of a focus. Um, Combined arms exercises out in California, things like that. And it just start. It was ramping up more and more and more and more until we finally went over. It, when so vastly different in just right, the the right. mentality and um, it didn't change the way that um, the, 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 my buddies the, and I. Like, it didn't change the way that we interact with each other. It was just right. that the training was different and the focus mm. was very different. Did the, the, the mood change? Um, yeah, I'd say not at for well at first it was just crazy because we didn't no, know sure, yeah. what was happening. Um, you know, and having a base go on lockdown and not, and my unit at the time was on what they call advanced contingency MAGTAF, which is the Marine air ground task force. And so every three months, a different company would have their bags packed in their wall locker, ready to go within 72 hours. And when nine 11 happened, Bravo company that I was part of at the time was that unit. We didn't get called up. They ended up not doing it. They sent other folks and and black ops to Afghanistan. Um, And our part didn't start ramping up until about January of 03. And we flew to Kuwait in February. So that's when things started getting real. I remember talking to a buddy. I was home on leave for New Year's. So 02 into 03. uh, And he called me and he was just like, they're recalling. They were supposed to go on a float, a Mediterranean float. And they called them all back to the unit. And that's when we sort of knew mm. there's a change. Like right, there's a shift right, in, yeah. in what operations are going to be at this point. Was there, so after you, you know, you, you did your time with the Marines and you figured out what you wanted to do. And now you, you went to school mm-hmm. for, for journalism. Yep. And so was that a hard transition from what you were doing for these past four, four years? Uh, only in that, you didn't have anybody yelling at you anymore. <laughs> and and I was a corporal when I got out. So I also wasn't yelling at, you know, the PFCs and Lance corporals and privates that were right. um, that I was in charge of. So it was just different. It was a, a, a difference coming from a war zone. I got home in June of 03 and I started school at the end of August. And so, wow. I mean, it yeah, was, was it was that quick. Months, so really. 
the the transition in and of itself was weird just because it's vastly different being on a college campus Um, yeah and things started ramping up more in iraq as well um and the next year um we lost one of my buddies in afghanistan i mean there were lots of things still happening with guys that i was still very much connected to and i was back home in college so it was just different but i was working 40 hours a week and i was going to school 16 to 18 credit hour i was always busy wow um so that didn't really change and i think just helped me focus on what i wanted to do um and not knowing if it would work out either. I was like, if, right. you know, yeah. I have so no the idea. risk we all take. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so I told myself, because again, I went, when I started school, it was, uh, I had just turned 23 and I ended up getting a degree in journalism and in philosophy. That's why it took me five years. I got both. Um, and I told myself that I would try when I got the job uh, in Omaha, that I would do it for I could do it for two years and make it to 30. And if for some reason this wasn't the job for me, if I wasn't good at it, if I didn't Mm. want to do it anymore, I'm still only 30. I can pivot and go do something else. And within like six months, I was like, this is exactly what I was supposed to be doing and just sort of fell in love with it. Either that or manager at Home Depot. Right. (laughs) Correct. Correct. Why the the interest in philosophy? Um, I think part of it was just the experience that I had overseas um, just when you're faced with, um, sort of life and death situations and you're seeing a lot of, um, uh, you just see things over there that you're not really privy to when you grow up. Mm. And so that I was, you know, a 22 year old guy I had guys who had just come out of boot camp, basically, or, or their training school who were over there as well. Like, young 18, 19 year old guys who were over there as well. And, and just sort of thinking about the way the world works fascinated me. Hmm. Um, and I, I hadn't planned on doing anything with philosophy. I took a philosophy one-on-one class as part of my, I think it was my first semester. Now I don't remember if it was first or second. Uh, and one of the things that we talked about was basically the philosophy of the harm principle Uh, like basically do no harm, um, which is strange after coming out of a war zone. (laughs) And then the looking at the Patriot Act and looking at how um, do no harm or do the least amount of harm to the least amount of people, which is the flip side of like a utilitarian thing where you do, where you always focus on doing the most good for the most amount of people. And it's where you get sort of the, those questions where it's like, would you be willing to push someone on the train tracks and kill that one person if it saves these 10? And it was so coming out of that zone and then having that be a class that I could be in and study and talk to other kids who had no idea, but they were still thinking about it. It was just fascinating to me. And then I got um, really interested in philosophy of mind and whether or not uh, like uh whether or not we experience life in the exact same way as other creatures, or even yeah. if, if you and I are experiencing life at the same time, um, in the exact same way, I totally have, get that. You yeah. know, like when I look at the color green or what I call green, are we actually seeing the right. same color? Right. Yeah. Are you yeah, really yeah. seeing pink or are you seeing yellow? But we were all taught that this was great. Like right. those kind of questions just fascinated me and I just locked into philosophy. Awesome. Yeah. Did, 
so, uh, when you uh, when you became you know got into the job uh, and uh, and the local affiliate at in Nebraska, mm-hmm. Omaha, yeah, yeah, in Omaha, uh, and you you mentioned that there was like if this didn't work out, then you know by the time you're thirty, you just weren't going to work out. But yeah, obviously, you end up loving it. When was the moment you realized that? Uh, it was about six months in. Um, I don't know if there was like a real. It wasn't like a story or anything like that. I think I just looked over the course of that six months and was like, this is something that at least what I'm doing seemed to fit what I was doing or, or um, you know, my values and, and what I uh, sort of enjoyed about life, which is the stories. And right. so I, I don't, yeah, there wasn't like a specific moment where I said, Oh man, like this thing has catalyzed for me that this is where I'm at. I think it was more just a general feeling of ease. Like this felt right. This right. felt mm. like weird. there was no struggle about it. And it's not like I struggled at Home Depot. I enjoyed my job there. It was fine. <laughs> yeah. But this this was just a different feeling. And for I sure. had yeah. I had that same feeling while I was in the Marines. Like it, this as hard as it was and as crazy as it was, like this fit either my personality or what I want to do in the, at this point in my life. Cause at one point I thought I might stay in the Marines for 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, nine 11 sort of switched that for me. And I, mm. and once we were going to war, I was like, I don't want to stay right in this. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and so, and I know it comes with a job, but you, uh, obviously you were offered a, a job to kind of further your career from being a reporter in Omaha to being a reporter slash maybe anchor at, at yeah I was anchoring and reporting in Omaha okay. and then it was to go from doing that five days a week to just anchoring on the weekends and reporting a couple days here in Orlando but the market jump staying with the same company was right. important to me I like Hearst as a company so uh, was that a hard transition for you as well I mean obviously going from not really to, to doing that as well <laughs> no probably didn't really. not really um, I mean there's lots of people who spend two or three years at a place and just keep jumping around right. and mm. I was very comfortable in Omaha cause that's where I grew up for sure. Um, and, and would have been just fine staying there. And this opportunity opened up, um, you know, and now I've been here almost five years. I think I'm a week, mm. a week away from being here oh, for five wow. years already. So the time goes by really quickly. Yeah. And sure. I, yeah. Did we, uh, from this whole time from, from, uh, were you always trying to, squeeze in entertainment because i know today like we were always talking about in the newsroom mm-hmm. like have did you watch this did you look at this like it, it, feels, like, <laughs> it feels like an event every time we yeah say something. exactly we keep up with it so, sure like, was this always ingrained where i know obviously there were better times to watch it than others uh but were you able to like to like uh have that same drive more or less at, you know even in the earlier days um you mean to just watch or just things for, or yeah, i guess so or just you know it, you know like again every time like we we are like, did you watch this? Did you catch this? You know, mm-hmm. we have to talk about it because uh, this is just who we are. We like sure. to consume. I think that for me, it is, especially now with my schedule, I have, out, I had um, hours <laughs> in the middle of the day because my wife's at work. Sure. And yeah. so there's a lot of time and I'm able to just sort of hit play and binge watch TV or movies or whatever. And when TV started getting better and better, I kind of put movies on the back burner and it becomes the tentpole. It becomes the end games and the infinity wars and the MCU mm, yeah. right. that I actually make, uh, you know, a, 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 a huge effort to go see. 
uh, and my wife will go see those movies with me. And so those are sort of few and far between, though. I don't go to see everything in the theater. Uh, it's easier now, I think, just because I'm so far behind on some of these movies <laughs> yeah, that they yeah. are now on Netflix or on yeah, Amazon. And you just wait. And it's just for, like, right. whatever. And so the movies that I really want to see, and I'm like, I really got to see this. Like, say Marriage Story, if, ever, if it won every award, Right. And they put it back in theaters. I still don't think that's a movie I need to see in the theater. But I would watch it on Netflix. Right. I'd yeah. absolutely watch it on Netflix. Um, but there was no way I wasn't going to see Endgame in the theater. Right. Like, Correct. There, so there's certain <laughs> movies uh, that I've made you know, uh, much more of an effort to go see mm. and try to do it, especially last year because things were so we're in this weird spoiler free craziness and yeah. that like, if you don't see it right away, so it's, it's just it's true. It just gets like, if you're on social media, it's like, I already know it's right. going to get ruined right. for me. Right. I remember when you watched the Mandalorian, mm -hmm. you watched it like at three in the morning. I did. Or like two he in did. He sure did. It's super awesome. And you, you're, the, the first thing is that, did you see the Mandalorian? I said, no. And no, Adrian, I just <laughs> had to work. <laughs> Right. What do you mean? Right. And you were like, all right, well, you better see it because, you know, things yeah. happen. Things so, happen. Yeah. <laughs> you better watch it. Um, uh, is anybody who's inspiring, based on your experiences, who wants to become a reporter, to be a news anchor, is there anything you can tell them? Uh, just write all the time. Um, it, the game is changing so much. I don't think, even, you know, it's been 12 years for me, but even the way that I got into it, is not the way that a lot of people are getting into it. There are so many different um, avenues at this point. Like if you are diehard about getting into uh, like wanting to be a local news reporter or, or even to get to, um, you know, a CNN or a Fox news or MSNBC, like if that's where your route uh, is more than likely you have to go through those sort of channels like right. that's that's one mm. way there are other ways i mean there's lots of people who are on tv right now who went to law school or are medical doctors who then found out that they can do this other thing and they have an expertise that no one else has so mm. if you have an mba you know you went to school and you have your master's in economics there's a channel there's bloomberg tv Right. Um, there's yeah. CNBC, there's Fox business. Like there's these other avenues I think for people. Um, and I just, whatever your drive, if that's your drive, I, the, the main thing, if you are looking to just be like a, a reporter writing is the way to go. You just got to write all the time. Okay. All right. And yeah. One last question. What mm -hmm. is your favorite movie? It's so hard. <laughs> Everybody says that. It's so, it's so, so hard. Um, it, Something that just sticks with you. Yeah, it could be if, a movie or a TV so series. If, yeah. No, it's a movie. No. Like, I, I, I didn't think about it because of this. I think about this all the time. Yeah. Um, for me, it's The Matrix. Interesting. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. I okay. didn't expect that. I love The Matrix. The original. Like the, the, entire, original. the entire trilogy, the one, in, two, and three. So I got really into The Matrix. Okay. Um, that movie came out right before I went to the military. Um, and so the second and third came out while I was in. I remember playing the GameCube game oh, with yeah. Niobe and Ghost. And I got the GameCube version and not the PlayStation version because it apparently had more of the cutscenes that were supposed to show me what was happening. <laughs> I mean, it was 
it was kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> but at, just as a movie, the the way that I felt in the movie theater watching The Matrix for the first time, I have never been able to duplicate that experience. Wow. And I have watched so many other movies, yeah. but this thing in the theater, like I remember what Star Wars felt like when I was able to see it in the theaters. So they re-released and, and made the special mm-hmm. editions yeah. um, before they came out with, was that before? I think it was before they came out with uh, the other ones. Um, before the prequels. Before the, the prequels, prequels came yeah, out. Yeah, it was like sense, yeah. it was like in the nineties. So I was, you know, fifteen to eighteen. And I remember I'd already seen him, but I remember what that feeling was like, like seeing Empire on the big screen. Yeah. I know what yeah. that feeling's like. The Matrix was just so vastly different from anything I had ever seen. That opening shot with Carrie Ann Moss, the f- like the first time they did like the bullet time and oh, spun yeah. it around, I was like, oh, oh man, we are in a completely different <laughs> area. <laughs> and I, I think, like you were asking about the philosophy, I think that whole movie, it, I wasn't able to yep. place it at the time, but like that so whole true. movie is about thinking about our place in the world. Cur- and when yep. you get to the ba- like. The most clever part of that entire movie is when Morpheus is holding up, like they'd already called him Copper Top, yeah. And you don't really catch it the first time. Like I had no idea why she was calling. I was like, he has black hair. It's Keanu Reeves. Why is, <laughs> why is she calling this dude Copper Top? And and when he is like, he's explaining the Matrix, right? Yeah. And he's just like basically to distill a human being into this. And it's like, oh, oh man. <laughs> and then I walked out of the theater and I remember looking up at the sky and my, my buddy was with me and I was like, this is like, this is crazy. This could happen. <laughs> and, and he was like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is kind of nuts. He's like, um, what are you going to do now? And I was like, I'm going to go to work. I was working <laughs> I was working a night job at a gas station. This was like 4 months before I went to the military. He's like, "Oh man, work, dude." He's like, "That sucks." And I was like, "Yeah." Yeah. Like <laughs> that's the last thing I want to do right now. <laughs> but not only that, it was like it's a construct. Like yeah. they're making me work because that's what my mind is. I mean, I was fully in. You're like, so, Fuck. I, yeah, there's never there's never been anything like there are better movies. Yeah. But that's that's it. That's that's the one. It's the Matrix. Wow. Yeah. Right. So I'm kind of excited for the new one. I don't know same, what they're gonna do. Same. Yeah. Um, and I, and I hope they don't right mess it up. Yeah. Like the John Wick <laughs> stuff. They're amazing. Um, but yeah, the the original Matrix. I would say. Wow. Well, Adrian, thank, thank you, you very much for sure. Thank you. For Pleasure. Yeah, it was show, great talking movies with us. Uh, if you want more from us, you can always go to our Instagram page at at box office bingers underscore. No, I'm sorry. At box office underscore bingers, uh, and you will catch everything. What's what we're going to be talking about next week? Um, what to look forward to? What we're watching, so you know what we to expect in the next episode. And Adrian, where can they find you? Yes. Uh, where am I at? Um, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I know you're not a big social media. Adrian guy. Jamal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, J a h m a l uh, and Twitter at Adrian Whitset. All right. All right. Awesome. So this is what he's doing. You can look at him. And also, congratulations on being a yeah. Thanks. Thank very, soon. Yeah, very, soon. Very, very soon. Very soon. Very soon. I'm glad you're able to squeeze in the yeah. time that you have to come and hang out. Absolutely. With us. No, it won't sure. be recently, but hopefully in the sometime in the future, we can get you to come back on. Absolutely. We'll yeah. do it. Yeah. For sure. This is we'll great. Awesome. Thank you. It's been another great episode of Box Office Benches. See you guys next time. Let's see you.